Hello, and welcome to Hold Up, a movie podcast. Last time we perused the non-existent pages of prehistory. This time, after a time, we analyze the annals, tiptoe through the timelines while trying not to step on anything. Come along with us on a trip not to where, but when, because we press on forward and hopefully find a way back. For tonight, our theme is time travel. I am your host, Davin Scalhorn, and with me as always, my co-host, Chris Worldmind Murphy. How you doing, Murphy? Oh, I'm primed to have a good time, and uh, if you're lost, you can look and you'll find me right here on Hold Up a Movie Podcast. Uh, looking after time. time. After Jeff time. Mater. Hey. Guest, Jeff Mater, my cousin, cousin of the show, everyone's cousin here on this network. Cousin Jeff. Oh, from the yeah, Jeffries Jeff. Tube. Jeff from the Jeffries Tube. Named those tubes named after this very Jeff. See, some people don't know that. Um, this is season one, episode 19, our penultimate episode of the season. You know, unless too many time shenanigans happen, and then who knows where we'll end up. But, uh, it's supposed to be our penultimate episode. And it's on time travel, so that's, that's fun. Timey-wimey shenanigans here. Why did you want to get in on timey-wimey shenanigans, Jeff? Um... I always enjoy time travel stories because I always find them to be like great mysteries. And I like mysteries. I'm a big, like, I like Sherlock Holmes okay. stuff and which is very interesting because time after time kind of uh, mm. delves into that a little bit. I like uh, mystery uh, science fiction stories and uh, especially when like Star Trek did it. And uh, I find some of the best storytelling can be done with time travel. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we know, you know, we have another segment. You may or may not know this, Jeff. Our listeners certainly do. And it's called Origin Stories. Oh. So, Jeff, what's with you and movies? What do you mean? Like, why why do I like movies? Or, like, how do I get into movies? It's as vague a question as you want it to be, hence the way (laughs) I put it. But you can take it that way if you want. Everyone takes it a little bit differently. What's with me in movies? Um, Who did it offend? That that question right offended somebody. uh, that was it was Kevin Millard that defended. Oh yeah, Kevin. Yeah, match. Kevin just like, goes. What does that what? mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> Whereas, like on the very next episode, Adam thought it was like the greatest question ever. So, it's, well, it, it's a very what's personal with you question. in movies. It's very yeah. personal. That's why Kevin probably didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because I, I would say that for me, with movies is. Um, I kind of started like really getting into movies when I was like eight or nine years old. We would watch, we'd go to the cottage over in uh, Enfield uh, and we would watch uh, pretty much the same three movies over and over. I think it was Mission Impossible, the first one, Titanic, and then um, there was one other one. Oh, I think it was uh, Sound of Music or something. It was something like that, but I never watched (laughs) it. So I watched it. Oh, American President <laughs> might have been on there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I bet it was. My mother loved that movie. Uh, <laughs> she did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then I kind of, you know, because I have two older brothers, and I, I know you were alluding to Dave Mater, my oldest brother. 
uh he, we like he, to poke at cousin dave on this cousin dave uh he kind of got me into a lot of these uh science fiction based style stories and that's kind of like you asked why i wanted to do time travel and i think that's kind of the genesis of it he would show me a lot of the older star trek movies i mean uh, um uh, a voyage home is very much a time travel Love story yeah, uh could have picked that one that's a good one could have picked that one uh mm-hmm. you know we already uh did like a a, a whole recap of that one so i kind of wanted to, i wanted to pick the movie i picked this time because mm-hmm. I remember I watched it actually well after it came out, not at the time when I started watching movies, probably in about 2006 or seven. And I was like, this movie is amazing. We never had it in on VHS, but uh, I really loved it. And uh, I think these type of stories are, are so interesting to rewatch. There's something you can, you can get out of a time travel story each time you watch it, no matter, no matter how many times you do. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I would say for like what, why movies with myself it's that that was kind of the genesis for it for me and then i got into more uh, heady movies and like a primer which we're gonna end up talking about yeah yeah um primer like yeah anyway we'll get into that one um but uh look i i on different levels enjoyed all these movies um so 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 why don't we talk about them over in theater one we have Time After Time from 1979, starring Malcolm McDowell, Mary Steenburgen, and David Warner. Directed by Nicholas Meyer. Like, what a bunch of Star Trek connections here. We got Soren, Malcolm McDowell, we've got Galma Dredd, David Warner. Directed by Nicholas Meyer, who wrote, I believe, and directed Undiscovered Country. Um, Man, this is Star Trek royalty here. You also get some Back to the Future, uh, you know, people. Mary Steenburgen, of course, was in Back to the Future 3 and plays a very similar kind of role, I find, in that movie to this movie as well. Uh, mm. I liked her in this. And honestly, I'm, she never really blows me away. I'm usually like, I see she's in a movie. I don't rush to see it usually because she's, mm-hmm. she's always just fine. But I found her quite charming in this. I, I, um, I, my first introduction to mary steenberger was from the show the last man on earth that's where i like really resonate with her in my brain so it's always fun to like go back and watch these films from the past and find her just kind of popping up and looking fabulous as all hell she looked gorgeous in this film Um, she did yep yeah um but yeah no uh, on on the point of star trek like you said yeah nicholas mayer definitely he he did parts of uh wrath of khan and uh, there's actually a deleted scene in this movie that was involved hg wells dealing with a punk listening to loud music on a bus but they took it out and they ended up using it in star trek voyage home but it's yeah they got it in there too that's all right well why don't we uh but nicholas mayer didn't didn't direct voyage home but did he write it? No, he. Uh, so, let me see. Yeah, he was. He was, he, writ, well, he, writ, he wrote the voyage home. Uh, he wrote it. That's what he did. Yeah, he, he ended up writing it. Star Trek royalty, that Nick Meyer. Tell me. Good stuff yes. there. All right. Well, why don't we get into time after time? Our first one, H.G. Wells. What a. Interesting idea for a love story. I mean, I'm usually not big on the romance movies, but this one kept my interest with the 
Um, time, like you, I guess you say, Jeff, but they add a little timey-wimey shenanigans, and it kind of adds a bit of mystery and intrigue to the an otherwise probably pretty bland plot. Um, yeah, I yeah. think I think it makes you think of different um, possibilities and, and and different timelines, and you can you can imagine kind of whatever you want out of a time travel story. And, and I kind of like that. I like that idea. And I also am a big history nut. So just to see like a depiction of like, for instance, here, the late 1800s in London, I, I always enjoy that. And it looks good. I mean, some of the fog is in, like, is a bit much <laughs> like the fog that's just steaming out of that alley is pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, the story unfolds in 1983, London, England. Uh where we find uh, celebrated writer Herbert George H.G. Wells, portrayed by Malcolm McDowell, unveils his remarkable invention, a chime machine, a time, mach- a time machine, a chime machine, a time machine, I can say that, to a group of incredulous dinner guests with a, a main mutton chops. The mutton chops were on full display in this film, like and I was just thrilled. So many mutton chop moments uh, from just, just... Well, that's I, why we have muttons with mercy. Five minutes. Great stuff, great stuff. Just thorough, bushy, well-framed. Even Jack the Ripper had one. I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of uh, bad guys having mutton chops. I feel like it puts a bad image on mutton chop wares. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, well, well Hey, man, bad guys always have short hair. What can, what can I say? <laughs> well, when everybody in the scene has a mutton chop, one is bound <laughs> to be a bad guy. It's true. Um. Wells explains the intricate workings of his creation, including its non-return key and the vaporizing equalizer. Um, However, Mm -hmm. the evening takes an ominous turn when uh, police constables arrive investigating the notorious killer of serial killer Jack the Ripper. uh, And suspicions fall on John Leslie Stevenson, played by uh, Stephen Warren. David Warner. David Warner. Warner. Yeah, sorry, David Warner. so yeah, uh, David Warner, yeah, a friend of Wells and obviously a surgeon, uh, who you know just so happens. So the plot thickens, and Stevenson manages to escape using Wells' time machine, uh, catapulting himself into the future. Um, I was a little um, disappointed with how long it took him to figure out like where he went. It almost took him like the rest of the evening to be like, "Wait, he took my time machine." It's like you just showed him this. Like there was there were, the the plot points in this film were loose but it was like placed together well enough yeah. that it was still entertaining and fun so um yeah you know uh, it's not a big thinker like a lot of the yeah a lot of the science in the first two movies really bother me and the science in the last movie is just picture perfect but anyway you just gotta let it, it was go varying degrees of about science. hg wells yeah <laughs> Uh, Wells determined to bring Stevenson to justice embarks on a perilous pursuit through time, uh, leading him to November 5th, 1979. Before he leaves, obviously, he has to gather his jewels and all the things. He basically ransacks his house lady maid thing. I assume she's a housemaid. I don't know. Every every, Every period piece seems to have some old woman that just lives in the house for no random reason. Um... They take care of the house. There's a lot of dusting that had to be done back in house, those days. Housekeeper. Housekeeper. Sherlock Holmes had one. 
the, someone has I to keep the fire gonna... going or else do you like every the pipes freeze no, i mean you probably don't have pipes but you know yeah, things, yeah, freeze. things freeze wait so how did he uh, how did he get did he have to build a new time machine after a ripper no it uh, came back no he didn't have the yeah, key david back. warner didn't have the key right yeah, he he had the key in his pocket, and without the key, the machine sort of resets. So much like the the film Primer, where they have the autosave feature with the box, the machine resets and goes back to its original starting point. Um, and it's, it guys, is kind of uh, funny that they they made the writer of the novel, The Time Machine, actually have a time machine and make a movie about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like the twist. I saw the trailer for this film, and I'm like, this is going to be good. Like, there's a ton of great time films, but I've never seen this one, and I was like, the concept's too good yeah. to pass up. Um, so yeah, H.G. Wells is just, like, stammering through the museum, just, like, uh, enamored. It, it reminded me of the scene, actually, from um, Doctor Who, where Van Gogh walks through the museum, and he's just like just enamored that people are looking at his art although that scene is far more touching than this scene which was kind of played off in a sort of light comedic way um most get, things uh, are in this movie it doesn't yeah. take itself so very HG serious ends up, hg ends up you know passing through the the city of san francisco in 1979 he ends up uh doing a bit of trading of cash uh, as when he eventually clues into the idea that he needs to go to foreign exchanges and he might get clued on to where uh jack the ripper is gone he stops at a mcdonald's uh tastes some fries and, and comments this is the strangest wood i've ever that's scottish place of, as he called yeah, it that's scottish place McDougal's, i went to that scottish place uh, and it wasn't very good <laughs> yeah yeah he, he mentions how it's like the strangest wood he's ever seen because plastic wasn't invented in his time so and he's yeah. used to like ivory and shit um, this is when he goes to the jeweler and the jeweler's like, you've got $6,000 worth. And he's like, I'll take four. And he's like, I can't do that without ID. And then he ends up selling it mm. at a pawn shop for like 400 bucks, I think. And just yes. kind of rolls with it. Like he, he got gypped so hard for that money. He doesn't care though. Um, he's just like, yeah. Why, why, why he, does he need ID to sell it? I don't understand. Cause they don't, cause you need in ID. Case it's stolen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't want to, he, yeah. he said it's like I can't take this if it's hot. He's like, What do you mean hot? You yeah, know? right. Um, it's stolen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's where we're introduced to Mary Steenberg's character, who is played uh, uh Amy Robbins. Um so Wells is, you know, interesting twist with that name like too. That. Like that was H. G. Wells' real life wife's name. Yeah, I like yeah, the, that... the the little yeah. the tag along at the end of this movie anyway. Um, so yeah, it, Wells uh, gets gets clued in that you know uh, Jack the Ripper was through here, and she suggests that he hands the royal the Hyatt Re- Regency or whatever. Uh, so this is where we actually get um, Davin's uh, favorite scene. Also, I forgot to play the trailer, but we're gonna skip that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Doc? I beg your pardon? You were saying? Where to? Uh, could you please take me as quickly as possible to the Hyatt... Book it. He's, he's never gone so fast in his life. 
so yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny, just because because he had seen Tyrus before, but yeah, a little culture shock there. It was either gonna be that or like the little chase scene he has with Jack the Ripper, and they like go down the elevators, yeah, and stuff. Um, so yeah, he ultimately finds Jack the Ripper at the hotel, and uh, these two have a very like thorough conversation about like violence and how he thought his sort of perfect world would um it didn't turn out what wells thought uh, what basically all us positive futurists think the future will be you know you know the film delves into the themes of violence and societal change as stevenson confronts the stark contrast between his past and a modern world um, the dramatic confrontation between Wells and Stevenson unfolds, resulting in a struggle for control of the time machine. Uh, do, do you know what like this? It, it do is, you know what, sorry, do you know what this scene reminds? Do you know what this scene reminded me of? I kept thinking about it when I was watching. It was actually kind of. It might have been my second favorite scene in the movie. It reminds me a lot of the interrogation scene in The Dark Knight. Like H.G. Hmm. Wells is kind of like Batman, and Jack the Ripper is like the Joker, and like. he's talking all about like joker's talking all about like you know that this is the way people are and they you know and and you know i want to just show people like that's what the way it is and this is my playground like this is where i belong i'm home he says you know says that to him and hul's just like you know people are you know willing to believe in good i just kept thinking about that scene because it's very it's the the, the, um it's the two forces kind of colliding here with each other yeah, you know no, I take it, was, it back. It was... That silly little car scene was not my favorite scene. My favorite scene <laughs> this... is when he he points out that he he thinks well he thinks it's gonna be a U- well see no it's kind of split up it's not one scene but I like the idea that he like he thinks it's gonna be a utopia right and even when he gets there and it's like he it's clearly not he still thinks it's a utopia for a while it, just that it's very strange he thinks this utopia is very strange for a utopia. But he still believes it's definitely, of course, a utopia by then. Um, and then, of course, they find out that it's a lot more like Jack the Ripper's kind of place. <laughs> and uh, that whole juxtaposition, I think, was probably my favorite part of the movie. Not really a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, these guys end up, you know, struggling for the key and it takes them through the streets uh, where, you know, HG chases them. You get this funny scene where, like, HG's at one bridge and then, like, five blocks down the road, Jack's at the other bridge and they're like, do I go this way? 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 Before they all decide to just, like, head to the left. I was, like, laughing really hard at that scene. I thought it was the most ridiculous, but it was just too funny. It's like, you guys are so far apart. <laughs> Yeah, their little chase um, scenes were hilarious. And then, yeah, you just get smoked by a car. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just creamed by a car. And then H.G. Wells takes him to a hospital because he's afraid for his you know, his friend's death, who's also a surgeon. So sh- naturally, the surgeon's going to wake up. This is this is my headcanon. He woke up, signed his own death warrant, and then dipped, you know? Um, and that, that's what <laughs> yeah, he's basically, H.G.'s getting the notes like, oh, he died, sweetie. And he's like, what? Oh jeez! And then he wanders the streets where he runs into Amy Robbins outside the bank she works. He at likely may he Says. also maybe just killed somebody and put that body there. That's another like, headcanon I thought too. He's like he definitely killed somebody and then just left. Yeah, he probably <laughs> just killed somebody. Yeah. Oh, so that's probably adds to the body count because uh, 
uh, when I was reading, there's like they only counted the women that he killed, but you never, nobody ever considered that that extra body yeah. with the one that he would have traded places with. His John Doe. That's yeah. that's thing about time travel movies. Almost somebody almost always dies. Hmm. Yeah. Mit kind of odds a paradox. Well, or does it? Don't mess with time. Time has a way um, of messing back. It does. So do spheres. <laughs> Don't go in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. So yeah, Amy uh, yeah. and uh, HG attempt to avert a grim future. Uh, you know, I'm just getting into Anyway, these two end up going on a, a bit of a date, which yeah. kind of reminded me uh, of... Um, uh, Lord, I have the worst short-term memory. Uh, that spy film that we watched, one with the plane, uh, uh, North by Northwest, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminded oh, me like of that. Oh, like the train like, scene. Yeah, yeah, but not kinda. nearly as spicy. Like, there no, was, it was like, nice, not but as it wasn't charming as, as like... Cary Grant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it was, it was an all right scene. Sorry, Malcolm McDowell. Like, Malcolm McDowell was just kind of okay in this role. He didn't really wow me. Yeah, no, Mary Steenberg, like, acted her ass off. Um, and She and, did. Uh, and so did David Warner. Yeah, David he Warner. He was actually was kind of intimidating and scary. He's like... Yeah, he's a great... He, he's, yeah. he's scary in Titanic. He's scary. <laughs> he's scary in everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just a scary man. Sure enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, we get these two sort of, like, you know, wandering through the woods. I've... The discussion, I believe, was... You know, she's talking about her past and his past relationships, and you know, uh, basically, this this is what led to my favorite scene. Um, a, a bit of a bit of this scene, and I think the other one is basically um, the, these two scenes together. for similar reasons. She wanted you to be a housewife. She wanted me to be routine. Uh, to be routine, like that. One. Well, that is one thing you definitely are not. I don't know what it is. First I thought it was your voice, or maybe your clothes. Now I don't know. Maybe it's that kind of little boy lost quality you give off. Brings up my maternal instincts. You're very perceptive. Lost is what I am. Lost is what I am. Mm. No. watching this film yeah you know, that part made me laugh too where he's just scared shitless of all the guns on and stuff here it's only a moat it's only a movie. it's only a movie yeah, so I got a question Did, I, I think Nick I don't know if this is true but I think Nicholas Mayer also wrote some old episodes of TOS and did he possibly write that episode where everyone calls everyone Herbert? Maybe that guy's just got a really fascination with Herbert. I don't, didn't know he wrote any TOS episodes. Maybe. He also, and I'm pretty sure it's Nick Meyer. Meyer. He also has a fascination with San Francisco because he, this movie's set in San Francisco, mm. which is very strange because considering he, it starts in London. And, and mm -hmm. then also, 
it uh yeah you know, voyage home is in san francisco and it's also a time travel movie it's just like why san francisco like i don't get it true they okay, time so... traveled but also traveled through space to san francisco well okay here's Interesting. here's here's my thought behind that. oh like, no that it's because that's where the out. museum was right yeah that's where the museum was like they took they took his his ship and put it in the museum this time right. machine they put it in the museum that's just like the plot reasons but i actually have a, a kind of like headcanon theory is in the fact that uh, because of where the position of the Earth would be at the time of like, I thought about that too. But it's very more likely he would end up in the friggin' ocean. Like, there's like a friggin' eighty percent yeah, chance he's in, ends up in the friggin' ocean. Then, and then in the like, ocean or just in space in general. But like, we'll just say he like and not in a the basement. Math off, like, but lucky be... enough to land up. <laughs> but why would? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. There's definitely some stuff in this movie you're just like, what? But <laughs> you just kind of forget about it because it just keeps moving. It's well paced for a movie from 1979. It looks very pretty too. Like it's like really, yeah. it's a it's a pretty movie to watch. I find because like I really enjoyed it because I'm like, wow, you actually get to see what like the streets of San Francisco look like at that time. Mm. And in like in good quality, a lot of movies I find from even in the late seventies, I don't find look this nice. So that's you know, yeah, that was a plus. Well, they had a decent budget for this film, surprisingly. Um, Spent it all on that. I suit. gotta admit, People kept commenting on what a great suit it was. <laughs> right. The, I gotta suit. admit, watching this was like uh, Malcolm awkward. Dowell, I don't think he knows how to kiss well. He's very sloppy and awkward, and it's like, uh, like worked on her, didn't it? For me. Worked on her. Yeah, certainly did. They did. Uh, they also got divorced. Get... But yet, I found that was probably my least favorite <laughs> scene in the movie. Actually, it was just very awkward. And I'll tell you what another reason why that was my least favorite scene in the movie. So are we talking about the kissing or the? He goes the... through time, the, and and when they hook up there, because he goes through this time machine where it got super hot and he was like sweating balls, right? So mm-hmm. first he was sweating balls in this suit. And then he goes through a bunch of chases. So he's running in this suit for like hours. Corduroy suit. Because it's just chase after chase. Never once does he shower. And now he's hooking up (laughs) with Mary Steenburgen. He would smell awful. She must be into stinky sex or something. Because otherwise it makes no sense. I just wanted a five second scene where she's just like, oh, go take a shower. Or he goes and has a shower. We just, okay. we just needed like a five second shower scene in there because this th- is disgusting. If you think about that, you've also got to add the accumulation of his 1800s funk that probably wasn't showered that well. Exactly. He would bath. Like, he, would he would only just bath. Smell awful. Right? Like, just awful. <laughs> I, I think he would be like perplexed by a shower. You know, wouldn't he? I guess. Yeah, true. That would have been a funny scene, actually. Yeah. yeah. We needed that scene. It would be less gross. And uh, yeah, because <laughs> like right behind oh, This is. I didn't know that there were electric figuring toothbrushes. Out to use the electric toothbrush. Yeah, in nineteen ninety, I was kind of surprised at that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, they yeah, were there. It clearly yeah. plugs straight into the wall, which is like exciting. <laughs> straight. I just started using an electric toothbrush like this year for the first time, and I'm just like, my God, where have you been all my life? They're amazing, dude. I know. I I started using one a, like a few years ago, and I will never go back. It is the best feeling in the world. Um, yeah, it is. So yeah, uh, little Amy Amy Robbins here. She's glowing. She's uh, you know, 
telling her co-worker, I'm having the best time. We should do a double date. Uh, and that's when uh, Jack comes back because he wants to do a little more exchanging. <laughs> I just love his outfit, man. He just looks so he's funny. Like, he's just like, instead to be like hipster Jack. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was man. disappointed he shaved the mutton here. chops, but I understand. Jack the hipster. Jack, Jack the <laughs> hipster. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't even think she's like spitting. She's just horny. Like she even says to him in the diner scene, she's like, "I just am looking to have sex." You know, basically is what she says to him. And she's like, "I, but I need yeah. to like the guy." You know. Yeah. So can I like you? And he's like, "I don't know." Like, <laughs> that whole scene was hilarious. I'm not an idiot. He's just weird and awkward. Like you just yeah. don't know why she likes him the whole time. He's just very well, strange and awkward. And yeah, she's like, "You're charming. You're like, shy, so that activates my mommy urges." <laughs> Like, yeah, oh yeah, she does say that. <laughs> She's pretty good in this movie, I will say. Right. She's very funny. Um, so she breaks it to H.G. Wells that Jack the River's here. He eventually clues into the fact that she's the one that mentioned the the hotel and he's you know, uses his deductive Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes skills to put it all together that he's the H. G. Wells connection. When he leaves um, it just so takes... comes right back there all of a sudden though. That was creepy. Yes! I, yeah. It was creepy, but it was also funny because he would have had to walk around the giant I know, it's like, and yeah. then like go behind it, it and then sneak up behind her and just yeah. be like, yeah. let Henry He does it in like a second. Like, yeah. yeah, it's all yeah, happens it, it, like within I, a flash of a second. And again, kind of reminded like me of The Dark Knight when the Joker is doing that to <laughs> Rachel. You know, like I was like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, this movie's like basically the Dark Knight. It's the Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. The Dark Knight, starring H.G. Wells instead of Bruce Wayne. It's like, yeah, what's exactly. the difference, really? The time machine's the Batmobile. <laughs> or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how yeah. I watched this movie, guys. That's, that's... <laughs> here's here's him Very with Detective Gordon, Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 He's trying to explain to Gordon that uh, you know he's he's from recent <laughs> time and he's H.G. Wells and <laughs> he, but but he but here's the caveat he's actually Sherlock Holmes. Right. That's gonna yeah, solidify yeah, yeah. your story because <laughs> he doesn't Call think they'll know Sherlock that name. <laughs> it's so funny. Like they probably yeah. don't know he's from that obscure novel I read once. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets this funny. note from uh, from Jack where he's like, "I know yeah. where you are. I know where the where, where she is." Well, Commissioner Gordon here sucks though. Like, he just yeah. sucks. So like, he he blows it by like ten minutes. He's like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't believe you like ten minutes earlier." Uh, sorry about that. Also, <laughs> the hand the handwriting on that note before it was very good. I mean, it would be very, it's very good. elegant, right? 1800s, man. People actually Incredible cared. Incredible pensmanship. Letter writing was a skill. Um, so, art. yeah, we're down by the pier and docks here where these were basically H.G. Wells is telling Amy, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, the whole spiel, if you will. This is where we get Jeff's favorite scene. This is a good scene. Please, Amy, listen to me. I have listened to you. And a bigger crock of shit I never heard. <laughs> Look, I don't know crazy or what, but anyway, I don't care. Just go back to whatever hole you crawled out of. Go back to your machine. Amy. Wait, Amy. 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 What if I can prove that what I've told you is true? Perfect. But what if? Won't you give me that chance? I know I sound mad. 
Don't you think I knew how you'd respond? Didn't I say yesterday that when you knew, you wouldn't believe me? And I said I would. I said I would. She did. That was a great line. Yep. Things are happening. She's just a, a strange delivery in this movie. Like, she came up with this kind of, like, unique character. Yeah, the crock of shit I never heard. Crock of shit I never heard. This is like, it's very strange. It's mm. like she's so upset she can't even say the words. And so mm. it's very well done, like, in a way. Like, it, 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 it's, mm-hmm. it, it's bold, but it's definitely, like, like, I'm sure the director like was like, I don't know if I want to make you do that again, but no, it's good, you know? <laughs> I just remember, like, a line that, like, apparently Marina Sirtis or something said, like, during... Picard season three when Michael Dorn was doing a scene or something and she just walks in and she just goes whoo some heavy acting going on in here like I just feel like there was like some heavy acting going on in the from Mary Steenburge yeah. in, in this movie yeah oh yeah she's carrying she's carrying those those pivotal scenes I would say you know yeah uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell's kind of just like kind of leading leading the scene along but Mary's bringing the fire yeah 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 um so yeah, uh, after that scene, basically they uh, they they head to the the place where he has all the proof that he's H.G. Wells, including pictures of himself. Um, I mean, that's all the proof. Know. He just has pictures. <laughs> like this, he could have put. Well, those yeah, there, pretty much. Like, I mean, that, that solidifies <laughs> it. Like that's a pretty like good sell. I also like the the bit earlier when he like first shows up and his glasses are all broken and he walks by his desk and he kind of looks around and then he just like. He palms into like a certain like drawer, and he's got a second pair of glasses, like any good person that wears glasses would. Um, yeah, I, I like that scene. That was a fun little bit. Um, we're also introduced to, uh, I believe, is that supposed to be Mary? Yeah, it's supposed no. to be. No, it's just like a one of those, like another. It's one of his victims. That they're trying it's to her save. friend. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. She this... invites her friend over. So I think he gets his third victim, and then he gets his fourth victim at uh, a club because she starts to understand that he's telling the truth. They're actually gone to time because they went ahead like to Saturday or something like that. And she's a week, yeah. Yeah. So she she has a mental breakdown about the fact that you know time is flexible. Um, and then yeah, they they he starts especially in this out. movie. <laughs> Time is very yeah. flexible in this movie. That's when they Just figure out you know oh. sprinting skills. But we know where the next fix is going to be. Um, they try to get the cops there, but that ends up not really going down either. Yeah, because the cops are uh, Commissioner Gordon. He keeps saying Sherlock Holmes, right? Um, yeah, they had a they had well, a he plan already blew where, his where credibility with them because. Sherlock and he's Holmes. just like, all right, I'm not Sherlock Holmes. I'm H.G. Wells. <laughs> okay, buddy, who else are So they think That's he's responsible S-Holmes. for the murders. Uh, he, he goes to the pawn shop and gets a gun, uh, heads back to Mary's, or Amy's place, where she's like passed out on a bunch of like, she took a bunch of NyQuil, I'm going to say. I forget exactly what sedative she took. But she back took in a those bunch. days? Jeez, who knows? <laughs> yeah um so yeah he gets busted and this is this is again reminiscent of the dark knight where he's like trying to plead with uh you know commissioner gordon to go back 
and save Mary where she's going to be killed. She wakes up sort of almost too late. She's about to leave and that's when Jack the Ripper shows up and then you get this like scene where the cops show up and Buddy vomits and then they like cut and it's just like a hand on the floor with a bit of blood, you know. Very low quality, nothing crazy, you know. Um, but you find out that that was her co-worker because her co-worker had shown up and Amy had gotten away, but she's still got a knife to her throat because Jack the Ripper's on their tail. Um, this is basically turning into the climax of the film. There's the whole like confrontation. He starts uh, running the time machine because he's got the key from H.G. Wells, but he's you know has figured out how to drive, so he's driving. Uh, what my sure. favorite little Easter egg is the Wayne and Garth Gremlin is basically what the vehicle that that she owned. It was the Wayne and Garth Gremlin without the paint job. The Murph Mobile. The Murph, yeah, the little Murph Mobile. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we get to watch you know H.G. Wells drive that bad boy. Um, <laughs> He's like, you know, give me the key, fine, leave her be. He hands over the key. And uh, that's, okay, I don't have all the screenshots here, but basically. No, he jumps in the time machine. Yeah, he jumps in the time machine, and that's when uh, H.G. Wells grabs the vaporizer. He basically pulls the plug. Just removes the vaporizer, yes. Yeah, the the, the shiny crystal that he, like, he gave a kiss to earlier, pulls it out and vaporizes Jack the Ripper into the the ether of time i feel like it could your open body up to transports without the machine without that piece yeah like, so yeah. without the vaporizing uh, why, utilizer why didn't jack the ripper kill kill um amy i guess he didn't I, care but yeah was, why would he was a murderer and that's his whole thing I yeah i was I kind of like my, he was like, going to yeah i i assume they probably just didn't do it because it's a 1979 film but like you know, uh, I think he handed over the key because he was also like supposed to be friends with H.G. Wells, so I guess he didn't want to hurt his friend. You know, so it's a very like Hannibal esque sort of take on H.G. Yeah. Wells and Jack the Ripper. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically uh, at that point, you know, Jack the Ripper's gone. They're like, "Well, I've got to go back to time." And she's all like, but I can't go with you. But I got to go with you. Don't you leave without me. And he's like, okay, are you sure? And she's like, yep. And then we, you know, we get this bit at the end where H.G. Wells married Amy Catherine Robbins, who died in 1927. As a writer, he anticipated socialism, global wars, space travel, and women's liberation. He then died in in 1946. Um, Yeah. So that's that's the film that's the movie alright well which performance would you guys hold up Jeff um, I think you gotta hold up Mary Steenburgen's performance as Amy Robbins I think I, I, for like I think she was like 19 or 20 years old when this movie's made I, <laughs> it's pretty impressive and she doesn't seem that young like you know I mean maybe no, it's doesn't. 1979 like a little bit of um, maturity but she seems like she's like you know mid to late 20s so she's got a lot of like um she seems worldly, like, and, and I just think the way she portrays the character is quite, quite good. Uh, she impressed me in this movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 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 I'm, I'm most impressed I've ever been with her in a movie. But I'll pick David Warner. I thought he was legit creepy. Yeah, he was good too. It was, you know, for basically being like a three-person main cast, they held this film together. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you remember you were with Bert Steenburgen? Yeah, I went Steenbergen. She's gorgeous. Yeah, right. She was 
funny. Um, she really made the, the whole thing more believable. If it was just Malcolm McDowell, I would kind of probably fell in out of favor with the film. He didn't really. He, he was a, a bit lot. flat. Yeah, he, he was a little flat. He was sort of just moved the movie along and brought you two scenes with either David Warner or Mary Steenburgen to entertain you, but he was sort of just like the vehicle. Yeah, he was. He was the Batman. Hmm. He was the Batman. <laughs> yeah, yes. the Bat- it's, this was the Dark Knight. We've been over <laughs> it this. Was the Dark Knight. I, I, I've come to the realization, thanks to Jeff Mater, that time after time. Yeah, yeah, you've seen the Dark Knight. You've seen this movie. You've never, you've never that watched as long. You'll never watch The Dark Knight ever again and then not think about Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> well, Jeff mentioned it a bit earlier, but the setting aesthetic. Murphy, you're always wor- worried about oh, that yeah, type no, of thing. Oh, yeah, it was gorgeous. Uh, God, he's, he's, so, he's so angry because I ripped on that silly little cabin movie. Um, so, yeah, silly no, it was it was great... <laughs> great setting and aesthetic i thought it was very relevant of the time uh it was polished it was you know good lighting it was just uh it was interesting effects for the time machine um you know uh, i enjoyed it for a product of 1979 yeah great stuff yeah, i think it was fantastic the, the shots was in san francisco and like, like even the scene where they're in like the the restaurant that goes spins around like just i thought it was um I don't. I feel like you don't get that anymore in movies, where you get a real snapshot of the time and the place. Uh, and this movie, no did one that. puts that kind of time into anything like that anymore. No, like, we'll just do it in post. Like we'll just make it look smooth in post. Like, like I love seeing that in a movie. Like you say, like a great setting, someplace on earth I've never been before. I mean, that's what I love about Medicine Man that we watched on this show. It's just beautiful. It's all in the jungle, and there's just. They climb canopies, and you have all these canopy vistas that you see. I mean, it's freaking beautiful. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I guess that's time for... Get some uh, delicious, delicious morsels for us, Murphy? Yeah, movie morsels uh, for the film Time After Time from 1979. Uh, this was the film debut of Corey Feldman. He was the young kid who. Uh, I thought that was him. His mom. Uh, yeah. What, what was going? Uncredited on? though. I probably because I was looking for him in the credits and he was not there. So I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't him. No, no that was definitely Corey Feldman. Um, all four of the real H.G. Wells children were still alive at the time of this film's release. Oh. Um, Wells always refers to his time issue. Sorry, I was going to say, I think his son became a director, too. Oh, or his grandson. Sorry, his grandson. His grandson. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Wells always refers to his time machine simply as the time machine or the machine. When the machine is first shown, however, the name Argo is visible on the front. This is the name H.G. Wells mm-hmm. gave to his machine in the novel that inspired the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie's title inspired Cindy Lauper's song Time After Time when in 1983 she browsed through a copy of TV Guide for imaginary song titles. Mm, I did not know that. That's amazing. Right? Um, A deleted scene featured Wells meeting a punk who was playing an extremely loud boombox music on a bus in San Francisco. Nicholas Mayer later reused this idea in Star Trek IV, uh, The Voyage Home. Stevenson commits six murders over the course of the film, which we have now discovered is actually seven. 
if you count the uh, mm-hmm. the John Doe at the hospital. Um, one in London in 1893 and five in San Francisco in 79. The film itself takes place over a little less than a week from the perspective of H.G. Wells and Stevenson, the historical Jack the Ripper, uh, called, uh, killed, killed, called, killed, killed, called, either both. A total of the five women over the course of 11 weeks from August to November in uh, 1888. Um during chase scenes at the hotel, David Warner is replaced with a stunt double for distant shots because he was still on the men from two broken ankles. In close-up shots, oh, he can be seen running gingerly as not to hurt himself. Also, for scenes where Malcolm McDowell was running through the col- uh, the columns, he is also replaced with a double because of a sprained ankle. So, David Warner and Malcolm What's McDowell up with these guys and their ankles? Both weak ankles. <laughs> We got a lot of back and ankled actors over there in England, don't they? <laughs> they could do, do squats, maybe a couple toe tops. Um, it, it makes you wonder how Soren had that fight with Kirk with those bad ankles on the, you know, those on rickety the side on the yeah, the oh, cliffs, oh. the rickety thing of the metal Jeez. bridge he was on. Just, Sir Patrick hasn't got no weak ankles. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. Much. no, no, um, no, sir. The role of. Amy Robbins went to Mary Steenburgen, obviously. Uh, however, the studio had wanted Sally Field. Uh, directless, direct, direct, man, director Nicholas Mayer's uh, first choice was his girlfriend, Shelley Hack. She reportedly didn't want to become famous due to her boyfriend's help, but she did accept a small role as a docent, or docent at the museum H.G. Wells transports into. Um, the scenic elevator in the Hyatt Regency Hotel is the same elevator used in the Towering Inferno from 1974 and High Anxiety Ooh, from movie. 1977. Oh, such a good movie, Towering Inferno. Um, Amy Robbins was the name of H.G. Wells' second wife in real life. However, despite the romance of the film, the real-life marriage of H.G. Wells and Amy Robbins was anything but blissful. Wells cheated on his wife repeatedly and was unapologetic about it. In fact, he was so egotistical that he told friends that men ought to be allowed to have as many mistresses as they please, while wives, though Wells said, must be chastised for appearances' oh, sake. Wow. Yeah. Um, for appearance. different time different... <laughs> it's all appearances you know um, as yes. Jeff mentioned earlier in this film Mary Steenburgen played uh, uh, Amy Robbins a 20th century woman who falls in love with a time traveler from the 9th century and in Back to the Future Part 2 she played Clara Clayton a 19th century woman who falls in love with a time traveler from the 20th century um, in the theatrical release, when Wells and Amy are out to dinner, he says the food is for superior, far superior to that Scottish place I breakfast. Uh, she asks what place he says. He says McDonald's, referring to an earlier scene, um, but apparently the producers didn't have permission to use the name McDonald's in the film, although they still had the sign and the golden arches. They did. Um, uh, so he's obviously heard us saying McDougal's, so they can get past that little bit. Yeah, McDougal's. And, yeah. The Scottish and then, yeah. I mentioned earlier about uh, the plastic. Uh, he was mentioning the wood. Uh, that's because as a re- it was basically what was happening uh, was back in the, in the beginning of the 20th century, because the amount of ivory that was being used in the production of piano keys and billiard balls, the demand for ivory was out tri- stripping the supply. And as a result, scientists worked to create an artificial replacement, which eventually resulted in the creation of Bakelite, the world's first plastic. Um, cinematography by Paul Lohman, edited by Don Cambrin, uh, music by Mikolas Rosa, who had won an award for this film for that music. I think it was also his last film. Uh, release date was September 7th, 1979, at 
TIFF and September 28th in, uh, in the United States. Running time of 112 minutes, budget of $1.2 million with a box office of $13 million. And that is time after time. You know, I have one further morsel that you didn't mention. Do, it. Do you know who was supposed to play Jack the Ripper? In, well, the studio wanted instead of Nicholas Mayer? Mick Jagger. Uh, instead of David Warner, you mean? Yeah, instead of David Warner, sorry. They wanted Mick that Jagger. That would have been awful. That would have been yeah, awful. Yeah, that would have been awful, and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't see and so that. So would Sally catch. Field. I didn't like that either. I, I liked the cast they ended up with. Um, yeah, the cast is great. Rewatchability? Like, what is it out of a You know, I like, like this movie, but I don't know that I ever need well, to see it again. No. Oh, it's just not a lot there. Um, yeah, I would show yeah. someone that hasn't seen it before and rewatch it yeah. with them. But other than that, no, I wouldn't just pop it on for a rewatch. Yeah, I can't say I'm, I'm going to go out of my way to rewatch it again. But if somebody's like a, not a lot of owl film that has never seen it, I would be like, oh, we got to at least watch this. Like, I do love Time Machine movies like one of my favorites is like the time machine with like guy pierce i think um which was directed by hg wells's uh grandson was he yeah that's actually the film i would have gone with if if davin and i didn't switch places for this episode so um you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the big question does it hold up Jeff. jeff i think it it holds up as as a as like a rom-com type movie uh it's like a, that's kind of how i would watch it like as like a date movie yeah it's a good date yeah. movie i think it does hold up as a, as a rom-com it's better than most modern rom-coms i've seen yeah yeah i agree it definitely holds up especially as a rom-com um a little the... less on the calm there's not a whole lot of comedy it's more like a of a, a they replace some of that with like a bit of suspense and yeah, it's like romance yeah. mystery suspense, but there's not too much yeah. mystery and there's not a whole lot it's of suspense. Yeah, it's it's mid level, but yeah, it, it holds up. All right, that's an A movie. Time now, after I, time. I, 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 you know, I, I forgot the cue of playing the trailer. Uh, usually, I like. Well, Rewatching the trailers after seeing a film to kind of like pick out the scenes. I'm gonna leave this up to the panel. We can rewatch this for funsies, or we can just move along. Move along. The, the move along. The trailer. Yeah, I've, I've already watched it. Uh, yeah, it is cool. good, but uh, yeah, that's it. We don't need to watch it. The trailer for Sphere will be way more strange. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's a strange movie. Uh, there's just yeah, these are three very different time travel movies. That's for sure. It's a good, good plate we've put down here. Um, yeah, does it hold up? So we'll move on to our next movie over to theater two. We have Sphere from 1998, starring Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson, directed by Barry Levinson. So, let's hit the trailer this time. Yeah, let's actually remember to do that part. (laughs) What did you tell him? What did I tell him? I told him I was here to see the, the, the plane crash. That's my job. Good. There was no plane crash. Spacecraft. 
That was a report about a possible encounter with an alien being. He's like, you gotta get me to the, the, the survivors the within 24 hours. was recommended in the Goodman report. We have a biochemist to assess the physiology of the unknown life form. We have a mathematician, because that'll probably be our common language. And we have an astrophysicist to locate its place in the cosmos. Try to relax. So you're saying that you have a fuselage from a spacecraft over a half a mile long that crashed into the ocean 300 years ago and is completely intact? That's right. And the kicker is, something's still running inside. That's the heart of darkness. We go there. Wouldn't it have been funny if they went in there and the thing running inside and just the energizer bunny banging He's still going and going. <laughs> Anybody else wonder who the hell opened that door? Energizer bunny. Could have been an automatic door. Those exist now. It's human. What's in his hand? It's an American spaceship. In the 8,000 years of recorded history, this is a first. You are now online with an alien intelligence. Its name is Jerry? He's happy. What's with all these spheres in the ocean? What happens if Jerry gets mad? <laughs> Say you spell sphere. <laughs> hey guys, I'm getting a reading on the sonar. You're not alone out there. It's the Energizer Bunny. Anyway, oh, this was a Michael Crichton novel. I didn't this was a Michael Crichton novel. That's right. And uh, I had excitement. I was like, oh, this is gonna like I love Michael Crichton because you know Jurassic doesn't love Jurassic Park. And then I started watching this film, and I'm like, man, this guy is, really has an obsession with elderly doctors and middle-aged women doctors and a snarky, yeah, uh, humor, humorous doctor all being led in by, like, an old, like... I was like, this. the first 15 minutes of this movie is basically the setup to Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, these are the same characters. Yeah, it's the same characters, exactly. the same characters from Jurassic Park. Samuel Jackson is Jeff Goldblum. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lower Dern is uh, Sharon Stone. See, it's the same stuff. Holds together. Is Sam Neill doesn't uh, often. Yeah, you got you got Queen Latifah playing the role yeah, of Samuel L. Exactly. Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, that's what's funny. Uh, <laughs> it's all there. Who's, and the guy, uh, you know, who's like the head guy down on the station. That's Hammond. So it's like it's all the same characters. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Michael Crichton. Definitely a Michael Crichton. Look, I like this movie better than like most people, I think, because I noticed after the fact that it has like a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It is not so like people seem to hate this movie. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was fine. I mean, I didn't. We'll get hate into it. The movie, but I f found it like slid off in the last quarter, and there was some things that just was like, really, all right, okay. The, the science uh, is awful. Like the they say, they crash through weird. a black hole. You can't. A black hole is not a wormhole. You can't crash into a black hole and end somewhere else. All of your atoms have been destroyed, and then you're stuck in a well of gravity. 
for all time. Well, they, they believe... No. Like in, a, there, like there in Interstellar. There is some belief that it actually comes out on the other side. Like, you're, you're just going to be... No, nobody thinks that. That, that. Liv Schreiber that, said that, it was rudimentary so astrophysics in this movie. No, nobody <laughs> thinks that. Trust me, black hole is the end. You, like, a wormhole is a different thing, and a wormhole is just theoretical. We don't know if they exist or not. But... No. You, but, yeah, you don't travel through a black hole. And then there's a hundred years behind. <laughs> like that's not okay. that's the worst method of time travel we're gonna cover tonight. Um, way well, worse I mean, than just whatever the hell HG Wells came up with, which they don't even explain. This is still worse than <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, hit a vaporizer. They, vaporize their explanation her. is awful. See, that's one thing. Like if you if your explanation sucks, just don't explain things. Like that movie of Jordan Peele's, I found. Like, get sucked out. when he started to try to explain things. No, I liked Get Out a lot. The one after that, um, with I like the people that knock inside like this. You know, no. you never saw that one. No, you ever see that one, Murphy? Okay. No, I haven't seen any Jordan Peele movies. What? Um, yeah, they're good. I want to see the one. I do want to see. Uh, like, was it? Keep uh, no seen oh. Get Out. Get Out is awesome. Yeah, I hear good things about Get Out. I haven't watched it. I've been yeah, told watch to watch it several times. I want to watch the one that's got like aliens in it or whatever. The eh, one. It's okay. It's like, like half the movie Get Out is. Um, okay, we're talking about another film today. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's, back yeah. to Sphere. Sphere. Yeah. So Sphere. Okay, <laughs> Here's my thing with yeah. this movie. Okay, I I really enjoy watching this movie because I enjoy the performances, and I'm not a big Jurassic Park fan. So for me, if I'm going to go what? dig in with those characters, I would rather watch this movie than Jurassic Park. I know to both of you, that's probably crazy. That's blasphemy. <laughs> blasphemy. I don't think I'm it's not just... A, Jurassic Park's one of the best us. movies I, ever. I feel like the majority of society would think you're crazy for having that thought. <laughs> that's that's fine. That's fine. I just, I'm not a big Jurassic Park fan. I just don't like... I, I can watch the movie. I'm just... I'm not a... I'm not a it came out at the wrong time for me as well. And I, I go back and I watch it and it's just not... Not for me. Uh, I'd rather watch this for movie. me. It came out at the perfect time. I was perfect like time. Ten. Yeah. I was like ten. Yeah. It was like dinosaurs and like oh my god, and, and yeah. witty, witty dialogue. But I do agree that the characters are very very similar. For this, oh, yeah. I reason why I like this movie is I enjoy the mystery and like the the scientists try to figure out what's going on. How did this happen? What what do we do next? What is the logic behind the time travel aspect of it? Uh, and the weird so, things that they see, like yeah, the weird things they see, and like yeah, it takes a weird and, and trying to figure it out with with the manifestation stuff. Yes, it definitely does, and then I agree with you that the, the the final like third of the movie was not executed properly. But everything up to that point, I really, really, really love. And then, yeah, I I don't think they stuck the landing. I think that there were some problems in production, and we'll probably get to that in morsels. But uh, for me, I really enjoy Justin Hoffman in this movie. I love his performance. Sharon Stone, not so much. I find her just to be kind of one note, the bitchy kind of ex girlfriend that hates. You know that that hates um, her therapist and her boyfriend. See, you know that's a bit so, of a recycled character for me. I was like, as soon as like yeah. they show that they were used to date, I was just like, yeah. not again. Like I don't need to see that dynamic again. It's never yeah, interesting. I, I, okay, uh, yeah. So yeah, for me, I was not. Some writers are obsessed with often. exes. Have you noticed yes. that? Like some writers just love exes. Yeah. 
it's how we it's how it's how you you get out you know them them feelings which i'll have i i've got some i know, guess well, yeah anyway uh thing is yeah. i i i wasn't a big fan of dustin hoffman i don't think he was the right choice Just... for this film Mm-hmm. Like no. I really probably could have enjoyed maybe any other leading man behind this. He 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 adds a certain like likability to the character, but he's just so as you said one note with Sharon Stone. I found Dustin Hoffman to be kind of one note in this film. Um, yeah, the leads are strong. Of, Samuel Jackson's pretty yeah. cool. Um, Lee Schreiber, Lee Schreiber together, you know. Lee Schreiber's always good. Um, yeah, Queen Latifah's fine, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see. It's funny you say you love the performances in this movie, Jeff, because they're not strongest from where I'm sitting. Uh, um, I I think that they're good up until the final part of the movie. Uh, I and I think that the, the I don't think it's the actors' faults. I feel like the the movie wasn't executed properly at the end. With you know that's and even Dustin Hoffman says that if you I uh, I know he said that after the movie came out maybe a few years after he was unhappy with the way they finished the movie. Uh, yeah, maybe it, they run out of money. Rushed, it. you know, they rushed it for the release date. Is what apparently was, was the uh, rushing for the release date, so they didn't take the time to flesh out the parts that they needed to. Um, so yeah, you know, this is our time travel episode, fellas, and I haven't seen this episode we're doing right now before so as a matter of deductive logic we're not <laughs> right. going to survive this podcast well i was gonna, <laughs> i was wondering if if either of you were going to be like how is this a time travel movie you know like mm. because a lot of people said that to me they're like that's not a time travel dave cousin dave was very much like he's yeah. like that's not a time travel movie that's a that's not under the at the bottom of the ocean right it's he's like barely a time travel movie. the time <laughs> it, travel it's... is just like the device that puts the ship under the ocean um yeah that's right it's the whole reason they're there though. a black hole traveling through their black hole to get into <laughs> right. the ocean 300 years in the past well, and then the time stuff well, doesn't matter Let's travel through black hole and break this down and, and get into the parts Let's and come full it. circle. The black hole might be the, the third act. Um, we could call that a black hole. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, the story begins with Doctor Norman Goodman, played by Dustin Hoffman, psychiatrist, a psychiatrist known for hand, handling crash survivors um he's being flown Can we call in the him dr grant the for the rest of this yeah we'll call him dr grant call him dr um, grant all right <laughs> so yeah he's being summoned to a site where he believes there's a bunch of plane crash survivors in the middle of the ocean and he needs to get there right away because the first 24 hours is super important and he thinks it's a plane crash but you know uh he sw- sw- swiftly discovers that it's not a plane crash uh they think they found an alien uh spaceship under the water and based off of his yeah. written notes earlier uh they've assembled him in this team of crackpot scientists where we have uh, uh you know because they think Schreiber. it's made out of metals they haven't seen before they're like it's not made out of material we're unfamiliar with so it must be aliens that's their yeah. so uh we've got astrophysicist uh, dr ted fielding played by lee shriver biochemist is dr beth halpern played by sharon stone and uh yeah then we have samuel jackson's character 
who Harry is his name again? He's the Harry, Doctor Harry Adams. Yeah, he's the mathematician. Um, so yeah, the, these guys are all gathered together to check out this ship that has like a century's worth of coral growth on it, and they need to figure out, you know, how did this super advanced spaceship get there? Um, they go through their whole medical test uh, and examinations and receive dive briefing from their instructor, who's played by James Pickens Jr. Um, and then they proceed to take a submersible, which uh, this leads to my favorite scene. Your mic's crackling a little there, Murphy. Maybe you're just a little too close or something, but you're getting some uh, I might be a little too close. My bad. Um, so, yeah, these guys head down to a submersible, and this leads to my favorite scene. How you holding up there, Captain Falcon? I'm I'm hope it's not made out of carbon fiber. <laughs> I, had a, I had a few thoughts about that, especially when they said they were in the river, in, under the ocean, in the ocean, yeah. under the river, in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Those things um, do exist. There's lakes under the ocean. So if you didn't hear that, because Davin probably talked over it, they were saying, he's like, he's loose, I'm loose. And then they, the thing starts shaking, and he's like, oh, I'm tight. You know, I... I love the <laughs> line. Yeah. Um, he's good in this. Yeah, they, yeah, nobody wants to be there as soon as they find out it's aliens. They're all like, oh, shit, aliens. What? We don't want to be here. And he leaves Driver's doing one. He's just like, shit, yeah, it's aliens. You guys don't want to meet aliens? It's awesome. Yeah. You could say after he gets killed, the movie really, really goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true kinda. it's true i was kind of hoping that whole kill scene was just like some manifestation or just like a, a dream or something but no, yeah because the other like two are so bland and samuel L. jackson's character is asleep for most of it or at least for a lot of yes it. he was he was shooting jackie brown <laughs> that's why he was asleep <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah jackie brown's a way better movie than this jackie brown's one of my favorites um so yeah we get this little scene where they're like sucking on helium and it's revealed that this entire atmosphere of this under submersible is helium because of the gases to like alleviate the pressure um which is like okay how did this whole thing not become a hindenburg when they had a fire later on in the film which it just that bugged me that that particular little like they're having a fire the whole thing should have become a bomb but whatever you know there's also um, when they walk when they murphy the when they walk when they walk to the space to the space station they should be crushed like bugs because there's oh, no yeah, way they there's should, no way they're not be they're... walking <laughs> like that part bothered so me the under most. the water like, yeah it should yeah. be a mini sub that takes them to the to the door and they should just walk through the mini sub like that's how they should have shot it oh. but they were like no you're gonna yeah. walk <laughs> on the ocean floor do you know the amount of pressure <laughs> That would, you know, that makes. I agree. There are stupid things in this movie, I, and I understand why people have problems with it. But at the same time, why did time, they need a sub? Why didn't they just snorkel down? <laughs> I know they. They're like literally. I think they're like ten thousand feet down. Like it's insane. Oh, they are. Yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> like maybe they say it's three thousand, but either way, it's too many. That's too yeah. too friggin' many. You ever gone twenty feet under? Your head starts to cave in. It hurts. Yeah. Like, I don't care how good those suits are. There's a way that, that you know. You saw what I, no we way. saw what happened with with the Titanic thing with the uh, yeah. the carbon fiber sub. Like you know, like it yeah. needs to be made of super super strong. That glass would shatter yeah. in seconds. You know, so yeah. 
Um, so yeah, the team, they've donned their space suits, or, you know, their dive suits, and they've walked to the spacecraft to find that the door is open for them. Um, Beth spots footprints in the dust, and Barnes divides the team uh, into two groups. Uh, Beth and Norman <laughs> use the <laughs> elevator to access the bridge. Okay. <laughs> it's even funnier that way. It's like they walked through that extreme pressure environment in what looked like space suits, which are built for the opposite of that, a no-pressure environment. So they're... Also, the footprints, right? With 300 years, like, you could still... Like, wouldn't there be dust? Like, you know, more dust I mean, on the footprint? it's a vacuum environment. Unless it's a vacuum yeah. environment. Was, yeah. You know. But I don't know if it was entirely... I mean, it must have been vacuumed environment because there's no water there's in no the water. ship. So, right. you know. And it was sealed until the door magically opened for them for an unexplained reason. It's never explained why the door opens. The um, sphere opened it. Yeah. That's that's what I think, you know. But the yeah. yeah, the sphere just opened it serendipitously. Um, so yeah, these guys go their separate ways. Beth and Norman find this corpse with like uh, a hammerhead in it, and this is where I'm thinking, okay, so maybe this is the time travel bit. One of these guys end up like this is supposed to be Norman or Doctor Grant, as we we're gonna call him. I I was expecting this to be like that kind of timey wimey stuff, but we didn't even really get no, that. They not. just kind of are like, well, what's this? No, so it's, there's it's a, a there's it's a, a it's a future astronaut guy. Yeah, like in the future, yeah, astronauts they, go into space and discover a sphere. Yeah, from so they, they end up finding the 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 flight. Oh my god, cat! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they end tell up you. Finding the flight logs um, uh, of this ship, they discover that it's in English, which is just like, wait, this is an American ship, or it's just an English a ship in English? It can, you know, it doesn't have to be American. Um, and then they uh, they discover that. There's one unknown entry, and that's the only one that they play. And it plays this right. wild graphic simulation that this is the ship going through a black hole. This was another part of the film that bugged me because you have up until the year, what was like 2034, um, to search time in, in, in the future. You have all these records up to the year 2034. You play the unknown entry one, and that's it. You don't play any of the events that led up to that. You don't. Yes. You're not curious at all of, of like the technology and the things that went. by. you don't go into any of that discussion. Like, what is that? Why? Why not? They also go. Why they also go we... back. They go back multiple times. You know, so they never go back to that room. Right. Like, yeah, they so never like, go back isn't to the that? Room. They just go back to the sphere. They find the sphere and they're enamored with that, and they only just go to this room keeps drawing them in it is it bothers me too because you're right why don't they care they're all scientists yeah. they're all, you know especially yeah. you know especially it's... one of them like you think it'd be ted right like that would be like no i'm gonna go check that out because only norman and beth are get to that computer and play that thing harry mm. and ted never go up there so i always yeah. thought that was weird too did they even like they they told them that like oh well this is what we found it's like okay well let's we're not just gonna look at the other records like what led them to the black hole maybe that has some you know information but uh, all yeah, information it's... is destroyed within a black hole. <laughs> well, Ted theorizes the ship time traveled through a black hole and arrived three hundred years ago, and 
Harry believes the sphere is alive since the futuristic ship locks information about lacks information about the black hole. The team's presence could alter history, leading to their deaths in the habitat. The crew faces a matter of deductive logic, outside, which disrupts the return. So yeah, that's this is where basically we get the scene where they're they're told there's a there's a there's a hell of a storm going. We're getting power disconnected, and we're gonna have to bunker down. Um, and then we get Davin's favorite scene here, which is... You see, it's curious. Ted did figure it out. Time travel. And when we get back, we're going to tell everyone how it's possible, how it's done, what the dangers are. But then why 50 years in the future, when this spacecraft encounters a black hole, does the computer call it an unknown entry event? Why don't they know? If they don't know, it means we never told anyone. And if we never told anyone, it means we never made it back. Hence, we die down here. Just as a matter of deductive logic, Norm. <laughs> it's the only line in this movie that feels like it's from a time travel movie. <laughs> yeah, that solidifies it as a time travel movie, honestly. Like, that line yeah. is, like, what solidifies it. Because, you know, you get the, the later story arc where they explain... What happens we'll get to that but like the rest of it it's basically yeah, just it's, what's that movie um not it's same. kind of like a horror movie it, after that uh under a the little book. but yeah it becomes a horror movie after this after this bit because we start getting the scenes where like queen latifah needs to go re reset the sub uh well, and deep sea horror walks, movies like yeah she ends up well okay so Bar harry gets um obsessed with the sphere and he goes to check it out at a curiosity uh which everyone's like what are you doing and then he just disappears because his reflection is sucked up in the sphere so norman goes after him which he also gets sucked up in the sphere and then they come back to the ship and they're like freaking out queen lativa has to go to the to the to the submersible which is like an emergency sub. If anything goes it just goes to the north with all the data and it resets every 12 hours so she ends up walking to go reset that which she does and on her way out that's when she's attacked by jellyfish we start getting these codes on the wall and all these manifestations happen um i don't know if i actually got the screenshot of her in the jellyfish yeah i think this is super aggressive yeah the jellyfish. whole scene where she's just super swarmed by jellyfish and i was like okay no like the stingers wouldn't just sting through her suit. That's supposed to protect her from yeah. that depth of water. No, it she would should be if, crushed. Make a point the... not to think too hard in the making of this movie. She should be well, crushed by the, the the pressure of the water. So, yeah. yeah, you know, um, maybe if there jellyfish if the suit can go down there was Humans? filled with jellyfish. No. I don't know. It, it was an interesting choice. They basically did what they did with Samuel Jackson's character in, in Jurassic Park. Um, killed off the comms guy. Um, surprisingly, a shark didn't. No, no that's more like a Dennis Nedrying. That's more like getting shot in the face with the goop from the Dilophosaurus. You remember in the rain? That's more like that kind of kill. Um, so yeah, they uh, Beth confirms the jellyfish is abnormal, and questions arise about uh, her mental state. Harry wakes from a coma feeling euphoric referencing leaving and never returning despite fletcher's death he remains calm and reacts strongly to the calamari 
uh, yeah, they try to feed him calamari, and he just, like, freaks out uh, because he is not a fan of squid uh, because he's terrified by the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which, like, plays into the whole thing. Um, they eventually decrypt the whole, like, mathematical code, and they end up getting in communication with the sphere that's named Jerry, as we saw in the trailer. Okay, and my biggest problem with the science of this movie is the mathematical code. And we'll get to it when you explain the Harry Jerry of it all, but that part bothers yeah. me. So I think is this the? It's a little hard to tell. I can't tell what's going on. Um, yeah. Norman and Ted dispute over Ted's jealousy of Harry, and uh, I don't even really remember that bit, but. Edmund brings them to the communication center where their computers behave strangely and Harry deciphers the binary code and decrypts a message from Jerry. An entity that exhibits emotions. Uh, the situation intensifies as they hear noise outside and discover Edmund's mutilated body as they investigate the encounter strange egg shapes with a large entity approaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, They're being attacked by eggs now. It's a really interesting choice. Yeah, when, you know, when it comes to the, the Harry and Jerry of it all, I forgot that's about that. One whole of the most scene. annoying I... scenes for me. Okay, f- I forgot about the whole. He's egg like, stop calling me lie. Jerry, and then he just proceeds to keep calling him Jerry. He's like, "Well, Jerry, what do you want me to call you, then, Jerry? <laughs> if you don't like Jerry, Jerry, what should we call you, then, Jerry? Just like you can say those sentences without Jerry. He just yeah. told you to call- stop calling him Jerry, and you just insist on doing it over and over again, like." So annoying. Very clunky. That's the, that's the Dust, Dustin Hoffman style of acting, repeating what you're trying to say. That's yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. definitely his style of acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I forgot about the whole egg scene about the giant eggs that were falling down, and it was just like some giant squid just shitting eggs all over the submersible. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's pretty weird. Um, like it's getting yeah, closer. So- um, so yeah, Norman contacts Jerry, uh, who can hear them directly as Norman asks to communicate privately. Jerry grows petulant, and a colossal squid approaches the habitat. Jerry threatens them before a sudden fire breaks out, which they should have blown up in a bomb, in my opinion, um, because they have a helium atmosphere. Uh, during the chaos, Ted sustains a fatal helium is not uh, combustible, or they wouldn't put yeah. it in kids' balloons. Well, and they said the reason why oh. they are not breathing oxygen is because it's toxic at over 2.3%, which is what they would need to breathe down there or something like that. So that's why they're breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, through the chaos, we lose Burns and leave Schreiber's character. He gets blasted in the face with a bunch of fire. He dies a really horrible death. Like he's He kind of gets barbecued. He's getting crushed to death. Yeah, he's getting crushed to death, and he just gets a blowtorch to the face, and he screams until he can't anymore. Um, yep, kind of. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Norm- uh, Norman and this? Harry kind of kill everybody when you think about it, because they yeah, go into they this, do. you know, they they go into the sphere, especially Harry, and and they kind of ruin yeah. it for everybody, you know, like they, they and, and Harry should have known better, you know, that was the, the part that is kind of annoying. True. Yeah, yeah it, um, a lot of <laughs> the more we talk about this movie, the worse it's getting. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is, do you guys ever have a movie where you like, I this makes no sense, but 
but I love this movie or I like this movie. Like, you know, it's bad or, you know, it's like, you know, most people don't like it, but you like it. You know, that's this movie oh, for me. Yeah. You know, we and Murphy pleasure. run into those discussions on this podcast often. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, where we basically get Davin's part where, or not Davin, this is Jeff's favorite part. Beth ventures into the spaceship under the guise of searching for food and creating distrust among the survivors. Beth plants mines around the spaceship, and Norman deciphers a message from Jerry, realizing that Jerry's actually Harry. Norman explains this to Beth and recounts the significance of the squid from Harry? Should I call you Harry now, Harry? Harry, do you like the name Harry, <laughs> Harry? Harry, we... <laughs> Or did you like Stop Jerry calling. better? Jerry, Harry? Which happened, whatever it was, 10 or 15 years ago, which is so distorted in your head. I was out there. You almost got me killed. The man tried to save my life. You now want me to disbelieve Harry? Yes, I want you to disbelieve Harry. I want you to look at me and believe me for one time, Norman. Don't you look at me, Norman. Am I telling you the truth? You weren't there, Beth. You want to believe Harry? Norman, then that's fine, okay? Because he's done everything but part the sea for you since we've been down here, okay? But I'm oh, telling he you, he's been sleeping. He is not yeah. telling reading you his book. the truth. This is not about The him. dialogue in this movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Is it? Who's this about? Like, it's, like this scene seems like it's from a different movie. You didn't tell him, did you? You didn't tell him what's inside the sphere. And how would you know that, Beth? How would you know that, Beth? They never explained what was in the sphere, too. That's another thing that bothers me about this movie. They didn't have a good one, which it's better. If they had just given us a bad explanation, it would have been worse. (laughs) They'll take the mystery over. There's a little man in there. It's 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 the guy from the Matrix. It's the the architect. That's yeah. it's, just, it's just a mouse running on a wheel. Yeah. The galaxy is on Orion's belt. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we get we get. Does, that maybe there's a black here. hole in there. Maybe. Uh, Norman eventually figures out that Jerry is not Jerry and is in fact Harry, and that's when the shit just starts unraveling. They, Jerry's you know, Harry, Jerry. Jerry is Harry Harry, Harry? Harry. Yeah, it's a Harry situation with Jerry, Harry, Derry, and uh, <laughs> Sharon Stone. Um, they start getting crazier. Everyone's dead. They're waiting for the the storm to pass, which eventually it does. Um, oh God, there's so many screenshots. Let's just jump a few. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Beth and Harry receive a signal from the surface and indicating a sub will arrive in six hours and tensions escalate as Norman is attacked by sea snakes um, prompting Beth to save him without emotion she acts so like cold all of a sudden she confines him to a lab ordering him to sedate himself when he refuses she floods the lab and Norman escapes via the airlock and I guess that's like that whole scene where you know we were getting him like freaking out oh yeah they've gotten to the Right, so they they decide they need to leave because like I think the facility is gonna explode. Yeah, that's right. They set up. They realize she set up bombs. So they need to leave before it explodes. Um, they get into the sub, and that's when things start getting really wacky because they're all having mad hallucinations about where they are and what is exactly happening. And you get you do this jumpy mess. 
of them being at the sphere, them being inside, and then, you know, he's like, no, we are inside the submarine, and we're getting out of here, and Dustin Hoffman manages to push the red button, and the place explodes, and they end up, you know, making the surface, and then they, you know, have to do the decompression chamber, um, and that's where we, you know, we get the scene where, you know, it's like, did we're not, we're not dead, so obviously if we're not dead, then we don't tell anybody but how do we not tell anybody mm-hmm. we make ourselves forget um or they, just so they all don't, don't tell anybody like how did <laughs> it almost ruins my favorite scene because he could have ended that sentence well we obviously die down here or just don't tell anybody or, or what you, you know what the thing, the thing blows up and the explosion pushes them up to the surface or whatever just yeah. just they just die and then that's the end of the movie <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the end of the movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that would have been a good ending too. You know, like I, I, I could have bought better. that. You know, it might have been better because <laughs> everyone would have walked on that theater went, yeah, they deserve to die. Yeah. Like, like, Matter of deductive logic. None of them were rede- mm-hmm. were redeemable. So yeah, um, Harry proposes that they all collectively forget and they use their powers to do so, which activates the sphere to go flying out of the ocean and disappear off into space, leaving people wondering what the hell that was. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and the you know audience what? wondering what the hell that movie was. <laughs> yes. I, I chose this movie because I've showed it to like Dave, I showed it to Amanda, and everyone always kind of comes away with the same general reaction, and I wanted to see what your, t- your two reactions would be. It's usually the same. It's, it's usually like, Huh? Like I don't get it. Why, why? Why is this movie? You know, it's kind of yeah. people's people's reaction to it, and that's kind of what I love about it is that it's everyone's always perplexed by it. They're like, "What? Why? Well, I don't get it." You know, it's like well, I, I feel like studios just get to the end of the year and have like forty million dollars left lying around, and they're like, "Ah, let's just make another Michael Crichton." Uh, yeah, they're, they're like matter. he did really good with Jurassic Park. This should be successful. It's Jurassic yeah. Park underwater. It's gonna make us millions. Yes, what a wonderful idea! Yes. Wow, wow, wow! <laughs> it's fine, true. Yeah. That's why I was pitched. Um, okay, I, well, I'm gonna I'm uh, gonna take a line from. Uh, I was gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a line yeah. from a uh, friend of the show, Michael Henry. Um, this was a movie of all time. Um. And I would say the best performance that held up in this movie of all time uh, was Samuel L. Jackson's. Also, probably Leaf Schreiber. You know, actually, no, Leaf Schreiber. I'm giving it to Leaf Schreiber over Samuel Jackson because he was asleep half the time. Yeah. My favorite performance in the movie is uh, I probably give it to Dustin Hoffman. I know you guys probably think that's crazy, but <laughs> I, I enjoy Dustin Hoffman in this movie. Okay. And I don't always. I'll give, it to, I'll give it to Samuel L. Jackson because uh, he did sleep through half of this movie, and I feel like that was meta because probably so did the audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like it's. Look, I'll say this: of 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 the three movies a Mater has brought onto this move or this podcast, <laughs> this is the best one. <laughs> what was the other what was the i know american president what was the other movie gattaca 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 oh, was just yeah. boring like, do you know what's funny kept me more engaged than gattaca did dave brought that one on too right and that that is funny because that's one of rich's my our other brother's favorite movie mm. is gattaca 
He really loves that movie. I I think that movie's boring as hell. You know, (laughs) it's so slow. And Jude Law always sucks. I find. So is America (laughs) President Dave's favorite movie, or is that just a no? No, it's it was one of Mom's movies that she liked. It wasn't her favorite movie. No, Uh, no, but but I wanted to know what Dave's favorite movie was because if. if it was American present, then we've had all three Mater's favorite movies on the show. But if not, then we have oh, this, Dave on with his. This isn't my this is favorite, movie. favorite movie. Yeah, it's not my favorite movie. But I, you know what? It is my favorite bad movie. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that qualifies. <laughs> all right. uh, the setting but, aesthetic. Yeah. Um. So what is that? Like a it's A, like, B, or C? No, it's, it's just, just like in general thoughts. It was a bit thoughts. gray and a bit drab. Like this, it, it, it's uh, claustrophobic. It's meant to be. It's uh, yeah. it's not very well lit because there's no light down at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, you know, so it's pitch, it should be yeah, pitch apparently dark. Sharon Stone was all like, Sharon Stone was like talking to the cinematographer of the film, and she was all like, "Don't shoot me from hard light. Don't shoot me." From from underneath i want to look glamorous and he just laughed at her face and like this is a film underwater where there's no light so screw your glamorous <laughs> it's gonna be what it is <laughs> well that you know that, that that's a good point yeah because there's <laughs> there's not a lot going on as far as like the sets everything's gray steel everything's dark mm-hmm. and blue and the the poster like- for the movie is very much how the movie is shot <laughs> you know yeah, there's like three rooms. There's like in the sub, there's in the kitchen or the galley. There's like the room with the, the, the Harry Jerry TV. And those are like your sets in the room with the sphere in it. But like that's the whole movie. Yeah. By by the way, my favorite movie is JFK. But really. You yes. maters love your American presidents. Yes, we like our American <laughs> presidents. <laughs> um trust me we are related we are related (laughs) we're just very different um um, all right well let's let's get to uh some delicious more so for movie morsels for the film sphere from 1998 uh, as Jeff mentioned earlier, Samuel L. Jackson would work on this film during the week and then work on Jackie Brown from 1997 on the weekends. The jellyfish attack sequence used a combination of puppets, computer graphics imagery, and footage of real jellyfish filmed at a nearby aquarium. The footage of the real jellyfish was played at three to five times its normal speed to make the jellyfish appear more aggressive. Um, they were Dustin very Hoffman, aggressive jellyfish. They were the most aggressive they, I've ever seen. They were they could crush a uh, what suit about, in like, seconds. The, the, <laughs> the most ridiculous fun film possibly is to be swarmed by jellyfish. It was one of the worst. Uh, She's I like, think, ah, help me, help me. <laughs> I think it's great that it's Queen Latifah too. Yeah, um, I think that's the, the best part of it. They're getting like, in my suit. Um, They're getting in my suit. It's just like, well, then how is the water not getting in your suit? And then yeah, like, eventually the water does start. To, yeah. Once yeah, the water gets in your suit, all the pressure should be getting in your suit, too. And yeah. so then the pressure should... becomes an issue. Until then, yeah. not right. an issue. She becomes Queen Lejam. 
Um, so Dustin Hoffman expressed some disappointment with the film. He felt it wasn't yet ready to be released when it was, but they didn't have the time to cover them all. They had to deliver what they had for the release date, which he felt was an incomplete film. So, yeah. Um, Beth's Sharon Stone character was totally distrustful of Captain Burns, played by Peter Coyote. Yeah. In the early stages of scripting... Yeah, he, she believed that he was responsible for the predicament. Uh, predicament in a critical flooding scene, Beth intentionally locked Barnes inside a tank and left him there to drown. In the final script, the subplot was scrapped and the death of Barnes was altered to an accident with no involvement from Beth. Um, order and well, reason in which. So yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I think they should have kept that in because I think Harry. Norman and Beth should all be irredeemable characters by the end of the movie. And I don't feel like Beth really gets to that place the way, the same way that Harry and Norman do uh, because they went into the sphere first and basically made the whole thing happen. Whereas with Beth, she's just was kind of there and just happened to survive. And she went in the sphere after. So that's why I think she didn't die. Whereas Ted didn't. And like all the other people didn't go to the sphere. So they got killed. Yeah, so this is a great segue into the next movie, Morsel. Order and reason in which people enter the sphere in the movie. One, Harry, mainly from mainly from curiosity. Two, Norman, accidentally while tending to an unconscious Harry. And three, Beth, to spite Norman and out of curiosity. Uh, but order and reason which people enter the sphere in the book. Uh, Harry, from curiosity... Beth presumably just to gain power over the men on the crew, and three Norman specifically what? to gain the power to combat Harry and Beth. Yes, that's awful. Is, apparently, the book is much different from this movie, and even yes. worse. Uh, uh, apparently, it's better. Really, <laughs> so, it I haven't sound read better, but. Mm. Um, in the book, the Very sphere was strange. supposed to be visualized as a perfectly polished silver sphere with grooved convolutions that acted as a door opening so that people could enter. The movie originally had planned to use a sphere that had the same qualities, perfectly polished and silver, but soon found right. out that it was, if it was placed in a dark room, the reflection would look almost entirely black and not as impressive. The special effects designer and director Barry Levinson eventually decided to go with a champagne-colored sphere due to how it looked on screen. And this is my favorite movie morsel. Andre Brager, Brager, Brager was originally cast as Harry. If you're not familiar with that name, that is Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He would oh. have been in this film over Samuel L. Jackson, which could have been interesting. That would have been cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, cinematography, Adam Greenberg, edited by Stu Linder, music by Elliot Goldenthal. Uh, release date of February 19th, 1998, a running time of 134 minutes with a budget of 73 to $80 million and a box office of $73.4 million. This movie had lost. Barely broke even. And box office. Yeah. yeah. That's why we didn't get Rewatchability. Jeff, how many times you rewatched this movie? I've probably watched this movie. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like 10 times. You know, because I've shown, I've shown, I because I've shown it to people, and I'm like, you gotta watch this bad movie. I'm a sucker for punishment. I have a sucker for. And I, I, you know, I've watched it. I think I watched it three times just for the show, because oh I watched it today. I watched it when you first booked me on the show, and then I showed Amanda the yeah. show. 
uh, the movie. So okay. I've watched it three times in the last like seven months, oh, wow. unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I've seen it a lot of times. So and I would watch it again. I have no problem. Well, uh, I don't think I'll be watching this one again. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. Maybe if I have like a Michael Crichton film night, um, I'm sure there's a third one he's made. I don't feel like there's many after this one though. Um, so like yeah. I can't go back for the science or anything because that's all awful. I don't know. <laughs> I, f- I feel um, like the time travel science isn't bad, but the the ocean science is horrible. You the know, time travel science is bad because apparently they went through a black hole to get there. That's awful. <laughs> well, what's wrong? Don't they do that in like Interstellar Didn't... though? Yeah, Isn't that I was gonna say, don't, they, of... don't they enter a black hole in Interstellar? Yeah, that movie is science is awful as well. You don't go through a black hole and end up in a bookshelf. <laughs> like that movie is just fantasy. There's no science in that movie. I thought isn't um, that isn't there like a, a like astrophysical like basically calculations or equations where the theory is that if you go into a black hole there is a possibility you end up somewhere else in time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because and Harry says that in the movie he says like you know if you fly he's like it's it's possible but not probable. You know. Because they don't know, and 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 Ted says we've never flown into one, so nobody knows, you know. So it's 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 not known until proven otherwise. Anyway, we know what we know. I think we, we know, know we what know. black we holes don't know. Are. We don't know. <laughs> I, think we, I think we know they're collapsed stars that have immense gravity and then suck in everything, and nothing can get out. Though they, it has been come down to know recently that they do actually diffuse energy in in the form of heat, which wasn't thought to be the case before. But anyway. There's I don't think you can fly through holes. them, and I'm pretty sure we're pretty confident about that. All right, does it does it does it hold up? Um, I mean, for me, it does, but I understand if you don't don't vote if you don't vote for it. I get it. I I like Murphy. it. I think it's incomplete. That's how I look at it. It's an incomplete project that could have been much much better. Yeah, it's an incomplete blockbuster from the late '90s. It's very late '90s. It's evident of that. Mm-hmm. It is very. It's like, not. I can't say I enjoyed it. Like I wanted to. I enjoyed the first like thirty minutes of it, and then it just was like, "Where is this? What is happening? Where are we going? Why is this getting worse? What is happening? It's getting worse. The movie's gotten super bad. I don't like this movie. It doesn't hold up. I'm afraid." Yeah, that's fair. I knew it wouldn't hold up. I knew you guys wouldn't say it held up because yeah. nobody seems to think it's good. And I don't even think it's good, but I see potential in this movie. I feel like it was, it could have been good. I'll say this. I wasn't bored watching it, um, which I can't say like for the American president or Gattaca. I was bored to tears <laughs> right. watching those. But this I actually sat through and I was fine. But then when I got to the end of it and I was just like, well, that was dumb. But like I, I, I was fine just sitting there and watching it. It was a perfectly fine way to spend an hour and a half, I guess. But it's <laughs> dumb. And incomplete and disjointed, and the performances aren't great. Yes. So, and so no, for me it doesn't hold up. But you know that still makes it a B movie, Jeff. Yeah, you saved it, 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 it from the pick. the garbage pile. <laughs> it's a garbage it pile. Was a, movie. It was a top shelf major pick. It was that everybody always yeah. goes. You like that movie? I go, yeah. And then I have to explain myself, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, here we go. Let's move on to the next one. Um, so, move on to Theater 3. We have from 19, or from 2004, I should say, Primer, starring <laughs> Shane Carruth and David Sullivan. Written, directed, everything by Shane Carruth. The guy is a freaking genius, man, to even just write this script. Like, he's smarter than me. <laughs> uh, well, this was a mathematician's movie, so, I mean... It sure was, and it's... He's a mathematician. Brilliantly so. <laughs> um, like, he, so, he, had a, he had, like, careers in, like, science and shit before. No, he was an engineer. Film. He was an engineer. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, they do do I'm math. gonna say this. The... This this feels like a mathematician's movie because there wasn't a whole lot of emotion behind it. It was it was all just like but, you know oh, heady see, science and this movie jumping around time because of the emotion involved. <laughs> like I have to I have to I'll agree with Mur- when we get there. I have to agree with Murphy on this Sorry. one. The the performances like they're good, but they are jilted. They are not. They are not to the same like. They, it's very monotone. There's no actors Even, in this. Movie. Yes, there's yeah. no scenes where like some dramatic actor is doing this great dramatic speech. No, no, it's the no. situations that are dramatic, like the fact that yes, like, the the doubles have to leave their family because one of them claimed it first. You know what? Basically, like there's a lot of heartbreaking things that happen, and very tense things that happen. So. Look, no word of the lie. This is probably my favorite movie. Um, I was hoping it still would be. I haven't seen it in probably ten like, years, but like ever, fifteen years ago. I, yeah, probably. Um, I love this movie. Um, I love what it is. I think it's a very important piece of cinema history because, like, of like for every smart movie that's made like this, which I don't know, there's probably only like five ever. Maybe there's a million dumb as hell bang your head off the friggin' desk stupidity movies. Like, there's a million Fast and Furious movies, a million Transformer movies, and one of these. And one of these is far more important than all of that trash. So, it's okay to do be smart. It's okay to do a smart movie. It's not for everybody. This movie is not for everybody. It's not for the Transformers crowd necessarily, like <laughs> the, the Fast you know, and Furious Transformers people. fans, the Fast and Furious fans. It's right. like there's no room, room, yay, yay, car jump. Like there's none of that. This movie it's, you actually it's, have to sit down and pay attention to. It doesn't actually explain anything to you. There's no exposition. You're just hearing pieces of conversations, and you have to like piece it together and it took me like five viewings you're not hearing pieces of conversations you're hearing five conversations at once and this is a j-cut fest this entire movie is just j-cut after j-cut after j-cut of five conversations happening at once and then like seven different timelines happening i don't i'm gonna not i'm gonna be straight with you i don't think it's a great film and i don't feel like you should need to watch a movie nine times just to understand the plot (laughs) I watched this movie twice. Yeah, that, the first time I fell I asleep in the last 10 minutes because I was so fucking bored with it. And the second time I watched it, and it's sure I kept uh, tabs of what was going on better to that degree. Um, but even then, I was like, there's there's like glaring plot holes. And I had to go watch a there are YouTube none. video. There, there are no plot there holes. Are, there are. There um, are none. We'll get there. What one? Mm-hmm. Where's the plot hole? I mean... That's, like, I thought there was, too. I had to watch this movie five times over 15 years, but now that I have, it all makes 
perfect sense and it's beautiful it's beautiful it's like mathematically sound it's scientifically sound it's i i think it's a good thing that you can watch this movie and have to watch it more times to understand it because that's an an indication of the intelligence of its writing it like they could have put 30 minutes of exposition into this movie and it may have been it would definitely have been more watchable upon the first viewing but it wouldn't have been a better movie it would have been a dumbed down movie and that's not what this is this is supposed to this, it would have ruined what this movie is if they'd have done that okay i want to lean more toward davin on this argument but i also see like murphy's point here because i every time i watched it i watched it i think three times and each time I watched it, I kept wanting the movie at some point to just explain to me which timeline is it, which like just a little bit. You don't have to like you don't have to spell it out for me, but I shouldn't have to like go through each little thing in the movie and go, oh, OK, oh, OK, that's that timeline or oh, that's that double doing that. And I'm just like, oh, I just got to a point where I was just like, can you just you have a narrator just explain it. There are a little bit. Well, the the narrator is sec is second Shane or whatever his Aaron. name is in the movie. It's Aaron. His name's yeah. Aaron. The second Aaron is the, the narrator. Okay, so the movie um, starts. All right, hang on. Let's just let's just watch the trailer first, and then we'll get into this because like we're gonna it's make a mess of this. We try not to. I mean, you've got the four hundred billion dollars. You've gone to charity rock. You have this perfect hundred room mansion with matching his and her yachts and helicopter pads. How do you feel your day? What do you do? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read this. And you're going to listen. And you're going to stay on the line. And you're not going to interrupt. You're not going to speak for any reason. Some of this you know. I'm going to start at the top of the page. Inside the box, it's like a street. Both ends are cold set. something more they're not getting is awesome. no way in which oh, they considered is anywhere perfect. remotely close this is a to perfect sin. movie why not the lottery but i knew you weren't gonna like you this have a margin movie. account right like i hundred percent was confident in that I did not not like it. Okay. For now, though, if you wanted to, you can just tell her you had a good day. It didn't morning. have enough. Like, I don't think of it. I don't. Designed. I don't consider the GI cars having okay. sex. That's, like, that's what Murphy calls hey, a good hey, scene. Well, come here for a <laughs> <laughs> you bleeding? Did you that's see that? Absurd I swear that was him. What that's the hell is he doing? Just sitting outside my house at two in the morning. There's no way I would tell anyone about this. Stupidism. This movie is genius. No, I can't. Sometimes we do things. No, we don't know how we got no. to that. No, I can't. And it's genius yeah, because what? it actually I does think give you enough to figure it all out. You really have to pay attention, but it gives you everything you need. There was value in the thing. It was beautifully directed as well. Like, you, but the errands, you can tell by what they're wearing. Which one's which. Um, and there's only two aids. And it's usually one aid spying on the other Abe, so it's not hard to... One, two, we'll make money. There's six. Yeah, there's... Abe's? No, there's two Abe's. Yes, there's six. No, there's two Abe's. Abe doesn't create these 
copies of himself. That's what Aaron's doing. Abe's see, trying to see. be responsible with all this stuff. Aaron, see, the one thing they don't tell you in this movie is that, well, they do, but you have to put it all together by the end. But what they don't <laughs> right. tell you, like, during the first half of the movie is that Aaron figured this stuff out before Abe. The way they present it to you, Abe figures out it's a time machine and then tells Aaron. But right. no, Aaron figured it out a long time before Abe did and had already been making copies of himself. So Aaron is the villain. Aaron, Aaron's doing all this crazy shit. And it all stems from the fact that he invites this dude to a party that ends up shooting his girlfriend or whatever. And he wants to put a stop to that. That's what starts the whole craziness of this movie. Do you know what movie Which, I feel they like? They don't it, allude it, to. You find that out at the end. It's like, okay. do, yeah. do you know what movie this movie is the most similar to that I kept thinking of the whole time I kept watching? I'm like, this movie is like The Prestige. Another Chris Nolan movie. Maybe I just think every movie is a Chris Nolan movie. But this You it, do. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just The Dark Knight, actually. <laughs> but this movie is very really? similar to The Prestige. You have to admit. Where one character is making a double and killing himself, and the other one has a twin, so only one other person, and is completing a magic trick, and then has to take like it's very similar. Where where I, I find where you have two characters juxtaposed by a, a device that it, it, one is cheating, and which is in this movie is Aaron, he's the Hugh Jackman, and. Mm. And Abe is like the Christian Bale, you know, character in the Prestige, where he he's doing it more, like on with is more the righteous character, for, you know, in that way. Yeah. So I I just kept thinking of the Prestige the whole time I'm watching this movie. It's like, which is weird, because one's about magic, but it's that's yeah. also a time travel movie in a way. Time travel is magic, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but. Yeah, I love the I love actually getting some sweet science around the device. Like ne we never get that. We just get, hey, HG Wells made a machine. We're like, hey, we ran into a black hole. This it's it's, it's so beautiful with the A end and the B end. What was so the science behind the machine? So <laughs> besides being an autosave how... box. No. So 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 time That's exactly is what it is. That's gravity. what their time machine is. It's an autosave box. It's literally, if you were to take the game mechanics before you fight a boss, you get that save moment. That's what this mm -hmm. is. That's yes, the time it, machine okay. aspect. Yes. I mean, that's a that's a fairly decent analogy. But, it, I mean, they get into better ex <laughs> explanations. They, they, no, they, box. they get a little but, more convoluted about it, but it's all, ultimately it's an autosave box. He sets up an autosave, he lives his life for two days, and then he resets. Right. No, but, not really. No. No, yes. no, no, no. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah, he, so, yeah, doesn't he? He does it like no, six that's... times. Abe does it six times and Aaron does it seven times because Aaron figures out there's a failsafe box. No. See, they both actually end up. Did you pay attention to this box. movie, Devin? But yes, I absolutely did. So I, don't, I can't believe you think there's six Abes. So the reason there, there isn't is six, six Abes, Abes there, there's two Abes because there's Abe, because Abes. you always return. No. As long as you don't... The reason they always hang out in this hotel after they've gone through the box is because they can't... They don't. They can't interact with themselves, right? Because they can't... Yeah, they, they can't, can't, they, do, can't they, interact, interact. they can't interact with themselves and they, and they can't risk breaking... No, the they could like interact the with themselves, going. but what they can't they could, risk but if is they, they can't... What it, they it can't be... stop 
they can't risk stopping themselves from getting in the box at the exact moment they did. Yeah, because that's would the only an alternate thing. timeline. They have, they have, they have to, to complete the, the loop. Scenario. Yes, and Aaron keeps doing that, which is why there's so many Aarons. Three, not six. There's three Aarons. There's two Abes because Abe doesn't. He does allow himself, like he the, even when you see him doing it, he's watching himself go back in and start the loop. Like that's what he's spying on himself to make sure it happens because he's very paranoid. He's just like, look, there I go. Okay, cool. No copies of me. Like, because then that one disappears. Like the one that goes in disappears forever because it becomes the one who's standing there watching it. Um, there's three Aaron's. There's Aaron Prime. There's Aaron Two, and then there's Aaron Three. Aaron Prime gets locked in the attic. Um, Abe Prime gets drugged and put into a bathroom. By Abe too. Those are the only two Abes. What now? Aaron, what? What Aaron goes to five Japan. Abes and six Aarons. That's that's Aaron that's two. Aaron, six. Aaron two, like Aaron three leaves first. He's just like I'm getting out of here. Aaron one gets the family. I'm gone. Aaron too is the one who's le is the narrator, and he's right. the one who goes to Japan and, in the end, is starting to build a time machine the size of a warehouse. Uh, right. Okay. So it's all like right. He didn't hey, learn right, his right, lesson. Right, he's right, such right, a stop, stop. 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 Okay. Let's 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 do <laughs> yeah. it this way. All right. Because Davin's jumping all over the board like this. I am because this movie does. Let's yeah. let's have a little let's have a little conciseness. Maybe let's let me read through my 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 setup here. And maybe we can start, right. you know, dissecting it a bit more because we're jumping all over the board mm -hmm. with like absolutely zero direction. Um, so yeah, uh, we we are introduced to yeah Aaron and Abe, which you know Abe's played by David Sutherland, Aaron's played by Shane Carruthers, and this whole movie is his his fantasy, a uh, revenge fantasy. Basically. Shane Carruthers, um, yeah, Shane Carruthers revenge fantasy movie. Um, so by day they work for a corporation, but by night they uh, run a revenge a fantasy out of Aaron Scourge. It is Doesn't very much a revenge sense. fantasy movie. It there's, is, I will explain. There's no it. revenge. There's stopping a act of violence from happening. No, there is revenge. revenge. I my scene I picked out even explains why it's a revenge fantasy movie, Davin. We'll get to that. So these guys. Oh well. Oh is, well. Uh, the guy they want to punch in the face. Yeah, there's the guy they want to. Yes. Punch in the face. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, Abe and Aaron work with Robert and Philip. Uh, Robert's played by Casey Gooden, and Philip's played by Anand Upadhyaya. Uh, by day, they work for a corporation, but by night, they run a side business out of Aaron's garage where they build and sell JTAG cards, which is a testing circuit board. Um, and their goal is to fund their pet science projects, hoping to attract venture capital attention. Uh, after disagreements over their next project, Aaron and Abe independently work on a device to reduce the weight of objects. Um, however, their invention has an unexpected side effect. Uh, objects placed in the device experience a significant increase in time compared to the duration of the machine. Uh, was active um, so you get this like wild little scene where you know he places they're, they're placing their hands in the machine which is uh, possibly why they have trouble writing later because it their hands have already yeah. been affected by time um, so they're realizing they stumbled upon a time machine uh, Abe secretly constructs a larger one a larger version capable of holding a person and he travels back to earlier that day and shares the results with Aaron um I think this is where we get your favorite scene to have, and uh, it's where they're testing sure. the watch. It's one of the best scenes ever in a movie because it's freaking genius. This is what's going on. There's an AN and there's a BN. Okay, let's say the AN is 12 o'clock, the BN is 12 01. 
right? We start the machine with the Weeble at the AM. It travels forward normally. You gotta, you gotta write this down. Aaron, there's nothing to write down. Well, then I'm writing it. Okay, fine. Look, it, it travels forward normally towards the BN. And when it gets there, the feed runs down parabolically until it's just stopped. But it doesn't. It curves back around towards the AN. And when it gets back to the AN, it, now, now curve that around. Okay, now the Weeble has experienced a total of two minutes. And again, it curves, it curves back around. It curves parabolically. Right. So it comes back around again. And it does this about 1,300 times. And when it finally exits on the BN, it's traveling an odd number of forward and backward trips. Now, what is so special about 1,300? And why is it about 1,300? Why is it exact? This is not I don't, empirical. I don't, here, give me that. I don't know why it's not exact. There's some sort of probability there. Okay, every time it hits the BN, there's a chance. Okay, a small chance it will curve back around. That's key the that this book really is. And it takes about 1,300 trips before it finally does. But it does have to exit, or else we wouldn't be able to see it afterwards. Okay, let's take a look at this. Yeah, 22 hours, 14 minutes. Yeah, see, it's great. So you got your A end, which is when you enter the box, or like when you enter the box. or No, not when you enter the box, when you turn the box on. And the B end is when you turn the box off. And they do interesting things, like there's this like like minute grace okay. from when you turn so. it on and turn it off where you can actually get in and out and it won't kill you, <laughs> um, which is interesting. It shocked the shit out of Aaron one time. He's like, that sucked. Um, so, like, yeah, so what they're saying is because you they're trying to create a zero mass machine. Um, yeah, they're looking which to make sense. Like, some sort of like, anti-grab machine. And they, they yeah, anti-grab machine, anti-mass machine, because time is tied into gravity. We know this. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculously small. Like, if you were to live on a mountain and somebody lives down at sea level after about a billion years they will have aged like one second less than you so it's 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 statistically tiny or like but it's still it's still there so if you remove this so you're just they're just basically in um, channeling that idea so they they remove the mass so now this every anything in this box is now unaffected by the flow of time that's happening because of gravity and on our planet so it's removed from that. And you add into that, like, the uncertainty principle of particles and things like that. That's why they're like, this weeble is just going back and forth. And eventually, because you can't predict the, the path of a particle, it just eventually escapes one of the ends. But um, they're like, if you could make that decision by being a, a conscious human, you could choose to leave on the A end instead of it just being a statistical thing where it eventually just flies off on the B end. Oh, yeah, it, it did always escape on the B end, but it bounced back in between the two. So they're like, if you could just leave when you want, that's time travel. And they're like, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Like, you can climb in a, a box and then climb out at the time you entered, or, like, time you turned it on. Yeah, that, the, the time you, you hit your autosave, you can go back to your autosave and retake the mission again. Um, but you know, is, you is that time? Yeah. But yeah, is that time right. travel, or or is, or is that yes. creating, or is yeah. it creating a double? Like, yeah, it's it, no, it's it's creating a time double. But that, but but that that should technically happen in all these other movies. They're just not smart enough to include anything like that. They're like, we don't really want to explain to Dustin Hoffman, so let's just not do that. Like, and they don't travel back in time in that movie. Dustin Hoffman. 
So, like, there's no really time travelers in Sphere, so that's a bad example. Well, but, like, is it, there is should it, be. But is, isn't there to... a, a theory in time travel that you can't actually travel back in time? You could only travel forward in time? Which is that what is a theory. Which is what happens in time after time. He he only he well he, they go back at the end yeah. of the movie, but it, it, he travels forward in time, which is theoretically more but, more probable. Yeah, he goes back, but he only goes back to the point he started. He doesn't go back to a time before he started. Right? He creates. He, go he goes on the a loop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't. It is time he travel. It's just what this a, film does. Yeah, yeah. It's just a more realistic form of it. It's it's like not. They you they know, done the, they did the same thing time and ending up in San Francisco. It's it's it's, well, it's yeah, turning on a machine they're, they're, they're that then creates a channel is... through time and then you can climb through the back end and get to the front end. It, it's genius. It's not it's not so much that you get you climb through the back end and get through the front end. It's like I have set my autosave. I live my forty eight hours. I'm gonna climb back in the box and it's gonna send me back forty eight hours and then I can relive this forty eight hours, which is the whole plan here. So. It, Abe basically Except, takes this and he creates a bigger box um, and then he goes back in time to let Aaron know about their time travel um, and the dual builds and the machine and they just refer to it as the box and decides to exclude Robert yeah. and Philip from their discovery using the excuse of Which a garage Which happened to them at the start of the movie. Like someone who just screwed them over, the guy they want to punch in the face and then they do the exact same thing to their friends, which is pretty hilarious. Um, so yeah, these guys, uh, there's a bunch of like out of focus scenes, like this whole scene's out of focus and that one bugged me. Um, Abe and Aaron initially profit from the stock market using the time machines, but their experiments become more ambitious. Their actions attract the attention of Thomas Granger. This is a plot hole in the film who falls into a coma after his time travel attempt. Um, I like that he's like, why don't we just like pick the right lotto numbers he's like what and get two hundred thousand dollars every year for like the rest of our life he's like yeah that sounds great he's like no nah, we need fast money we need it all now like yeah that's pretty funny so yeah, yeah and that's uh, where they find out it, it was a time machine because it was growing like that protein so yeah, Abe's basically trying to convince Aaron that he's built a time machine and he's proven it with fungus and all these like other tests and shit like that um Boss hog, hog, hoss bog. Primer fucked yeah. his mind up. So uh, I think I think uh, that's the intention of to... the movie. It is, and to um, expand your mind. So yeah, Abe and Aaron are, are eventually in this field, and they're having a discussion. This leads to Jeff's favorite scene in the film. Yeah, yeah. So whatever, we'll find some place. But I mean, so if we go your route with what a bunch of mini fields, that's a lot of work. I mean, we'd have to. I mean, how many days is that? Hey, you know what we could use? You know what we could use? Look, I know, I know we've seen a lot of crazy things lately, okay? And I know you're still trying to put it all together in a way that makes oh, sense. You got no, no, I don't. Look, I just want you to understand that what's next is not a prank, okay? I wouldn't do that to you, and, and I'm not doing that to you. So when you see this, you look, with you can't yell or, or make any noise or run anywhere, okay? I know, I know you probably feel like you're being tricked or made fun of, but you're not, okay? I promise you, you're not. Okay. The best thing about this scene is Abe's not telling him shit he doesn't know. Yes. Aaron is a liar. He's a yeah. horrible liar. He's such a good villain. Like, oh man, one of my favorite villains in a movie. 
Because it comes from a noble, his villainy comes from a noble place in the beginning, where he's just trying to save somebody's that? life, and then it just gets out of hand, and then he get goes. He's in, not trying to save somebody's life. Yes, he is. Yes, he is at that he's... party. He invited that person to that party, so he feels guilty about that death. So he wants to go stop that from happening, which they do. He successfully stops that from happening. What I notice about this scene and many other scenes like it is actors love when when characters have to act in a in a scene so for instance in this scene aaron is acting like he, he's seen abe for the first time but that's nonsense yeah. he, he's seen it multiple times and he's been through this before mm. so mm. so like I, I and i think that's what actors always love those scenes because they're like i get to pretend to be an actor as a character <laughs> you know, like, it's inceptioning. Inceptioning. It's inceptioning. We're going, yes. we're going two levels deep on this performance, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good, man. Like that's the, but he plays, does it so well. That's why it took me so many viewings to figure out. Because, yeah, like Aaron was bullshitting. Like that's the one thing in this movie they make the least clear. But that's what's so fun about it. Well, and, and it's, Abe, it's there. And Abe comes at it from such a like a place of um, like he's trying to be genuine because it's. For him, it's he's like, oh, he doesn't know, and I'm gonna let him in on yeah. this, and and he's trying to be the like do the right thing. Whereas you're right, yeah. Abe is like oh, he's already way ahead of that, and is Aaron, Aaron, sorry, Abe is uh, yeah. Aaron. Aaron is very malicious about it, and yeah. it, you and it, it, only on a rewatch are you gonna like you go, oh, okay, I see, you know, like so. you get the impression that like they keep going on about like cutting people out, like they got cut out of the deal by their boss. They, then they cut out their friends. You get the impression that if he could, Aaron would cut Abe out and just do this on his own. But he can't. right, but he but he can't because Abe's he doing can't. the loop, right? So, yeah, and, and, yeah. no, the, it's definitely interesting. Like and, and, that he in this movie is fucking annoying. <laughs> no man, it's, say that like, right this there. is a this is what we do over on Locutors of Trek. We like to have intelligent conversations about things. I have to say, Amanda asked me like about this movie, and she goes like, "Well, how does it go? Like, what is it about?" And I go, "I, I, I this is a way I explained it to her. I was like, it's basically mm. the prestige, but, <laughs> but, but both people are are making time doubles, you know, and two people are doing it together, and instead of having to kill your time double each time, you have to reset the loop, you know. It, it, so it erases like, your double." Which because erases your double, which is kind of like you. killing yourself. Which is like kind of like well, killing no. yourself. It's killing like your last forty-eight but, hours but of what you did. In a way, no, because then they don't know because they're they're now your forty-eight hours. They're now your forty-eight hours. Right, but and you still remember those things, right? Like that person is is you, but you can still watch them. But as long as they go into the machine at the exact time that you did, they become you. And all of their memories become yours because they right. are yours. But if if they don't go into it at the exact same time, then there's now two of you and you can start building separate memories from each other. Right. Primer fucked up boss hog Hossbog's mind. Uh, yeah, okay, man. Everyone, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's... Okay, I, I ended up watching this video from London City Girl 
where it's like an illustrated explanation of the timelines of Primer because I needed a visual illustrated yes. explanation. Well, of if she told you there's six copies of Aaron, then it's not a very good video. You're such a moron, Davin. She explains it to such no, a degree that it makes you look like a moron. Yes, everybody agrees no, that London City you... Girl. I'm gonna send you this video I'll, later. And I'll show you a better explanation of it. You're gonna. I will show you a better explanation of it. There, I won't. There's, there's, oh my god. There's three so errands. Stubborn. You're so fucking stubborn. <laughs> You're so fucking stubborn, Davin. I can't deal with you sometimes. That I'm, I'm telling you. Your video you, is wrong, dude. I'll send you a better explanation of it that explains very clearly that there's three errands. And why. She explains very clearly why there's fucking uh, five Abes and six errands. She's wrong. I'll watch your video and it's going to be silly wrong. Okay. Um, hmm. I don't even know where I am at like the plot recap of this because it's all over the fucking board. Basically, Abe wants to uh, make a fail safe and he's trying to play the stock market, but a Aaron ends up finding out that he has a fail safe. So Aaron makes his own fail safe like 30 minutes or an hour before Abe's fail safe and starts playing him and tricking him by because he's recorded all the conversations he lives through. Um, this happens over the several day period. At one, and they, they keep, one okay, trip. here's the thing. They keep trying to hide from themselves. So they're, they're, when they get into the stock market game, yeah. their plan is they enter the box, they hide in a hotel, and they wait for, yeah. their, for them, previous selves, to go into the box. Go Once the they box. go into the box, they leave the hotel and go about their day. And that seems to yep. go well for the first two or three times. But then Aaron forgets his, he has a cell phone on him, and that creates a bit of a paradox. So he's like, that I'll leave the cell that. phone. And this is about where we get to like, fourth or fifth abe and aaron uh he'll leave the cell phone in the hotel uh and then he forgets to get the cell phone in the hotel so he gets another call and that ends up make, making things even more chaotic um and that's where we get to this scene uh where they're they're basically it together this is basically the scene that stood out to me this is what i the scene i consider that holds up for me. why'd you ask then this is what i would do i would wake up tomorrow morning and I go over to Gabriel Capital Inc. And I would tell Joseph Platt's receptionist that I'm there to see him. And when he comes out, I would ram my fist through the flat of his nose. Mm -hmm. He wants to find a way to do that and then go back in time and tell himself not to do it. He wants, he wants a consequence-free action is what he wants. Yeah, exactly. He wants to remember the memory of punching it. And then not have it happen. Yeah, It's revenge fantasy. This is the revenge fantasy. And that's the point of the failsafe because he says at one point that. But this proves my point. The machine that this whole movie is just Shane Carruthers' revenge fantasy movie. It's his elaborate way to have a revenge fantasy. But that was just such a small part of the movie. Yes, but like, it's still. I don't think a part of the film. For his big revenge fantasy, it was a control? very tiny, tiny part of his movie. Um, oh, yeah, that, that kind of ended shortly. But he, she, she goes, you know, are you going to call an exterminator? He's like, oh, you don't want to deal with the baby birds, which is alluding to his original self yes. being stuck so, in the attic. Yes, that's, that's already the second era. And you can always tell because of what they're wearing. Um, the, the, the next one wears a hoodie. The third one wears a hoodie. So, those are the three errands. They all wear different clothes, and you can... Those are the three. There's only ever three. 
um, what a silly video you must have watched. And I feel like oh, I, it my skewed your view of this uh, movie, and badly so. Sir, you're uh, insufferable. I'm putting, I'm, co- I'm placing the no. link in the comments so that anybody watch this can watch the London City mm-hmm. Girl video of Primer and understand. You do that. that this very <laughs> complex timeline. Everybody who's watched this, it. everybody who's watched this movie, and I went through multiple, like multiple forums of like, because I wanted to get the general consensus of what people thought of this film, and a lot of people, people are love like, this movie. London City Girl has the best explanation of this film. She doesn't. You haven't fucking it's, watched it's, it. You haven't fucking watched it. Don't say she doesn't. Murphy, I know there's three errands, and I can send you an explanation that explains that perfectly. So are you talking about that like brief to... video, three minute one where he talks about? The no, I didn't watch lines? any video. Not everything in the world is. Okay, so now you're telling dumb, me you're like, going to send videos. me a video, but you haven't watched any video. So what the fuck is? No, it? I'm going to send you an article. There's this thing called text. Oh, before an things article. were put up okay, for stupid people cool. for video on videos, people read things in books. So, so video essays considered stupid people information. But if it's words on a screen, no. That's, but I'm, okay, the one, cool. the one you're talking about is just because it's you a video that people it. like on YouTube doesn't mean it's right, man. Devin, when I, if I it's you Devin, perfectly... Devin, you haven't watched it, and when the majority of the internet is consensing that this one video is actually probably the most accurate portrayal, you've got the majority of, of the a very consensus. A you've got the majority movie. of the internet's consensus because that's how a majority works. In this girl, Davin, that's how a majority works. What do you? You've you had time to take the... the majority of everybody on the internet. I needed to go through a. But you're saying forums. it's silly, Murphy. I need to go through a few forums just to be like. So I your wanna... few forums is the majority. You know, here's how I found it. I typed in everything wrong with Primer because I thought Cinema Sin surely it's done a film on this. He hasn't. He didn't make a video. So on you this. tried to search but it then... from a negative. No, no, I, I, yeah, I tried to search the yes. film from a negative because I wanted from to a see negative. how many plot holes were in this film. And upon my research, I'm going to admit, there's not a lot of plot holes. The most glaring plot hole no, is the, the Thomas none. Granger. The Thomas Granger plot hole is a plot hole. Why he Even went through Shane the box Cr- doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree with that. It's just like there needed to be one scene that says even, why Thomas Granger. Even the director, the Shane Carruthers, is like, like that's, yeah. that's, I don't, I have no explanation for that. That is a plot okay, hole. So okay, that, there is one. That is a plot hole. All right, so like you're so absolute. I mean, but you can just thinking you can just sometimes you can headcanon. You could headcanon that he just saw them do it. Sure, yeah, you it. can headcanon that. That's totally fine. But that works. My point standing, Davin, is that a majority of people that have watched this movie, more people than you and I, which is a, a, I'm looking for a census here to get some information. When you I look don't for know. a certain particular That's film, not what a majority I came across is. this video and it, it, the majority of people that have talked You're, about this video are like, yes, this is probably the best explanation. Yes, the majority of people that up, have talked about that video, the majority of I people who talked about that video are not the majority of people who have seen Primer and understand Primer, Murphy. They're people who like that video, and maybe that video is a possible you, explanation. Oh my God, but if it says there are six errands, no, so there are... No, you do, because you like this video, and you, you right think now. it... It, it no, I like this video because it actually explained the movie in a better in way than the movie like explained itself. I like the video well, no. because it explained the movie better than the movie explained itself. Okay? I, I think there is... And I will send you an article that explains the movie where there are two Abes and three Aarons, which is exactly what happens when you watch the movie. 
So whether you can make a false explanation of this movie that creates six errands, or at least flood, fudges or fudges the explanation, or maybe she meant there's R three, but they can still view don't make me play the twenty three minute not. video right now. I will share screen and play I'll send the you an article, and it won't take right twenty three minutes to read. You can, I'll send you an article, and you can read in five minutes that will explain it perfectly fine. Yes, and okay. a woman spent Isn't, her time that's made a 23-minute production that explains it in thorough detail. Why is the movie not yeah. self-evidently like able to figure out? You know, it doesn't need to be Yes, dumb. you shouldn't need to watch need to be... it nine times. It doesn't need to be dumbed down. I, I understand, like, there's certain things about the movie I like, of, like, going back and going oh okay i see or or figuring it out but i shouldn't like have to like i agree with murphy i shouldn't have to watch it five times and still be confused about which abe is which and which aaron is which i I, that was the part that bothered me about the movie and and if you are going to do that can you at least narrate a little bit more to explain what's going on because there's moments in the movie where i'm like well which one's this which which double yeah, like, is this what, what you can you know? tell you, by what they're wearing you can yeah, but always like, tell no, by you, what they're you wearing you can tell by the color correction of the screen there's a blue timeline a yellow timeline an orange timeline and they keep jumping back there are back. tons, of, there are tons like the, of clues they're yeah, they're, they're visual blues but yeah mm-hmm. it's just it's not outright tell you because the guy didn't know how to make a friggin film <laughs> what did you say, Murphy? First there were three timelines? Right. Three errands. No. Not six timelines. There were three timelines. There were three errands. <laughs> and it, is the movie is the movie in no. the movie is the show is told from the, the film pres- presented three timelines. It's told from the perspective of Aaron, yes. It's uh, told of, from of, the perspective of Aaron two. Aaron Aaron two. Yeah. The narration right. is from Aaron Two's perspective. Aaron two. Yeah. And he's trying to warn Aaron one to stop the whole thing from happening in the first place, essentially. While at the same, well, he says that while at the same time building another time machine. Like, who knows what his plans are with this warehouse style one? That's what's crazy. Like, what are you gonna do with a? What are you gonna like move planes back in time? Like, what's your plan here? Armies? Why does it Probably need to be the size warehouse. of a warehouse? Like, I would. That would have been a good way to end the movie. Now all of a sudden he's working for the CIA. They did. You know. Oh. You know, you know what I mean. Like all of a sudden, he's like a he's a government agent. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it better that he's just this crazy rogue with a technology that nobody else even knows exists. That's just fascinating. So to me, this this movie is like a great Star Trek episode, like one of the great Star Trek episodes that are just all talk and. I don't think they just explore scientific ideas. I don't think this moral ideas. The script though would get passed on Star Trek because no, because it's not digestible enough for enough people to but that's what's great about it you can't make a movie like this and spend 200 million on it or whatever you'll never make it back at least not quickly um but it's like for like to make just make a super smart movie with your expertise as a engineer and mathematician and like even if it's just for other mathematicians and engineers that has its place man not every piece of cinema should be for a dumb people or b for as many people as possible like trying to reach a broader broadest audience as possible is good for your dollar and your bottom line but that is not good for a movie that's why i watch 50 movies a year now and maybe one is good like except for this podcast now we're getting to watch more old movies and stuff but for new movies like it's all garbage and maybe you'll stumble across a good one 
and it's because right. they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible. This is doing the opposite, and that's why it's a better movie than like Transformers. All right, like, Devin, all that the, crap that the, just the, turned out. The, the line I said about there being like three or four timelines presented is because there are three or four timelines presented, but there's also two timelines that are not presented on screen. The timeline where they go and punch the gentleman in the face, which causes them to go back and forth and do all, all everything. They're like, oh, I've caused the chaos. And then there's also the timelines that were split off because of uh, their breaking of symmetry. It, listen, I'm, I'm not explaining it terribly. The video does a better job. But there's timelines that weren't shown in the film, but they are pertaining to the storyline of what's happening. There That's are things that confusing. Aaron does that aren't shown, yes. But he doesn't yes. create copies of himself in those. He, well, he they creates do. one. That's why he has one more copy than Abe. But, yeah. Anyway, continue. But they, they, create, them, they create copies of themselves again because like they said they they go do the thing where they punch the guy but then they have to go back and loop so that's creating a, a, another copy of themselves so there's at least two or three other instances where they're creating copies of themselves not on camera no <laughs> no i can't tell this guy anything he's just so absolute and he's like nope I mean, that just takes assumption. You, you, you could headcanon that. But I don't understand. Because like... there's no way you don't know that they don't close those loops. So unless you see them not close the loop or you're given definitive proof by seeing another double, like in another close, there's no reason to assume they didn't close the loop. Well, see, I, I, I think with a movie like this, you can make almost any interpretation you want on... Because they, there's a bunch of stuff they don't show you, so you can start yeah. making you can start making up whatever you want about how many doubles or what they did when they were in those or loops. the Granger thing, you know? like like yeah, London City Girl has the best things. explanation of this film, and I it's because it's the one you saw in a video and you didn't have to. No, I watched a handful of them in London City <laughs> Girls was the the best one. Yes, you watched a few. Did you read any, or did you just limit yourself to YouTube? Yeah, I limited myself to YouTube because it was the quicker ingestion okay, of information because limiting. I was busy doing that's things like getting limiting. the show together. Yes, but that's very limiting. That's just YouTube. That's not necessarily where the how best that articles on well, this. Let me, how is that limiting? Because this, that's just but, a limited Davin, pool. Davin, how is that man? limiting? That's a limited pool. It's, no, the source of how information is, it not is limiting? still the fucking same. No. Let me ask you this, Davin. Did you, did, what do you did mean, you no, learn... Davin? What? What? What, Jeff? I said. I said. What? Let me ask you this, Davin. Did you yeah. learn more from this movie, reading about yeah. it and what other people mm. thought about it, or did you learn more from it, figuring it out, watching it over and over and over? Yes, that. From the second one. From from watching like so, it's kind of like the way I like learn lyrics, right? So if I learn lyrics. I can't power, like, if I try to learn a song lyrics and just, like, read it 50, 50, 50 times in a day and then try to sing it, I will forget those lyrics. But if I, I was explaining this to Locutor Dave earlier today, but if I read a set of lyrics at least once every year for, like, 15 years, I will remember that song, the lyrics. Like, that's how my memory works. So every time I watch this movie, I gained a little more insight into what was happening. And I had never read anything, any explanations of it or anything until after I watched it the fifth time this time, which just 
confirmed what I was thinking. It filled in a few things I didn't quite understand even still. But I had, I had pretty much had it all figured out, except for a couple little um, things about Aaron, which was the thing that the article I read filled in for me was the fact that Aaron figured it out first. Oh, I but that the movie makes the, I feel like makes that pretty self evident that he figures it out first. You know, they yeah. they present the movie presents it to you that Abe does, but once they do the yeah. twist with with the earphone thing, yeah, you're like, oh thing. yeah, and then you're like, oh okay, so he figured it out or yeah. went back for before Abe did, and he was in the loop before him, and, and just yeah. and and had Abe come to him and go, I found I found this out, and he had been through that multiple times, yeah, and before Abe actually did it. That's a very telling scene with the earpiece where he's listening yes. to their conversation and it just a word changes. So it's different yes. this time. Yes. Yeah. That was a good scene. My my thing with the movie it was I kept the confusion. Yeah, there's there was a bunch of moments where I'm just like confused and I felt like this movie was way before its time. I feel like if this oh, movie comes out but if it comes out now or is like a TV show, everybody figures every little thing out on the internet and and oh, and, yeah. and, and, and and figures it out as whereas, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so for it to come out in like 2004, I don't like it. it, it people hadn't started dissecting everything at that mm. at that time. It kind of happens maybe a few years after that, uh, and so for me, it's very interesting that way because I think it's it's you were saying all the old movies are are kind of the ones that have that figured out, but I feel like this one's more like it's ahead of its time. It's more it's more for the now. This movie, but the now would have ruined it, don't you think? Probably yes, but it probably would have been a they, TV show. It probably it would not have, have, and it yeah. would have been dumbed down. They would have, like, whatever network you put that TV show on would have forced you to explain things more. Yes, which like this I is think... just this movie had to be kind of a singular vision. This movie can't okay. have network poking. This movie would have benefited from a bigger you. budget and taking and having more takes and 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 recording. What would you better? achieve That's... with the bigger budget other than better camera work? Maybe, but I mean, uh, it's kind they, of it's yeah. Better Sorry, camera work. They would have had more film stock. They would have been able to do better uh, audio. Like I've got tips. I've got a whole bits of my movie morsels explains production of this film. But like they would have, they would have benefited a lot from having more money. Like, isn't it kind of what they had? It feels real. Isn't it kind of insane that like all right, Clerks was made for twenty seven thousand five hundred and seventy five dollars in nineteen ninety four, ten years before Primer was made, which was made for seven thousand dollars. So Clerks yeah. was made for twenty thousand dollar more dollars. Now it Can has you more. Ever imagine a better spent seven thousand dollars than this movie though? Like, what better can you achieve with $7,000 in this brilliant friggin' movie? And, it, and as I said to like, Dave about this movie, because he hadn't seen it, and I mm. said, you should watch it, because in 2003-2004, Dave, cousin Dave, my brother Dave, was working at a U-Haul. Was, what you know, so oh, I, I was like... storage lockers and stuff. Yes, mm. so that's what he did. Yeah. Like, that's he was going to university, and he was working at a U-Haul place. And I'm like, you should watch this movie, because it's it's very much, like, of the time you worked there. Mm-hmm. He was very into movies at that time, and, and still is. But, like, at that time, especially, he was very, like, into Tarantino. He would make little movies, like, with him and his buddy, and, like, like kind of Reservoir Dogs-esque stuff. And, like, I'm like, you should watch <laughs> this. Reservoir Dave's. Reservoir Daves, yeah. 
So uh, I was you should definitely watch this movie because it it will bring a lot of like nostalgia back for you, which is kind of weird saying that about 2004 because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it kind of is. Yeah, yeah, it is a long time ago. Like 19 years. I first saw this movie like 15 years ago, probably or maybe more. It was new. Um, yeah, and then like every couple of years, I would come back to it, and then. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, man, this movie's confusing. And I, I, it was, I was a younger man back then, but the, watching it this time, I understood it way better than all those previous times. But, like, it, I think it was because of the accumulation of watching it those other times as well. And feeling the, it more okay. each time. I'm going to point something out here real quick. Um, although there are at one point six errands existing simultaneously, only three of them will ultimately continue to exist by the end of the film. The other three, three are early iter- are either early iterations of the prime Aaron or dead end loops in one yeah, case. Dead end loops, exactly. It will they... simply disappear when the final loop is collapsed. Yes, exactly. So there are three Aaron's. The other ones are but just... But there are at one point six Aaron's, so my them... statement is correct. But, but it's not because I even told you that, Murphy. I'm like, unless you're just talking about them waiting to close the loops. Like, yes, they could, those three Aaron's can watch the other three Aaron's until those loops are closed, but those loops are eventually became those three Aaron's. Those are three At errands. one point, there are six of them existing simultaneously. Just, see, I knew you were going to... I knew her video was going to be like that. That's just, like, stupid semantics. If that's what her video is like, so, then that's a stupid semantic ha- video. But how many Aves did you say there were? Errands. You said There's there were five. Errands. But... There, I don't understand years. where you got the number five from. That's that's what I don't understand. There's no, because, fu- there's not because five because Aaron's jump goes to the box six times. Abe goes to the box five times. Abe sets up what he thinks is uh, the failsafe box. Then he creates the original box, and they both go through it. So that's and he's thinking Aaron's only going through that box the first time, but Aaron's actually gone through the box like the second or third time by that point because he found the original failsafe, made his own, and went back and, and prior to all that. The failsafe box is add the complication because that's where they want like earlier they say it's just like a one-time use only is what aaron says which means you know you have to go back in the bn from the a end and but he's like if it's a fail safe box like you can then you can go back even further like you can just keep then there's two points at which you can jump back to so then yes. things start to get confused. So they go through the box like five to six times each. Abe goes through it five and Aaron goes through it six. So they're therefore various iterations. Wouldn't there uh, be so ten Abe's then? That's semantics. That's no, so no, see, that's semantics. You can't keep counting these. Any loop that gets closed does not count. Because as I said, as soon as you close that loop, that becomes you. So if you're... The, the semantic argument of just waiting for that loop to close and just counting that as another variant, I mean, that's lame semantics. You can say that if it makes you feel better, but that doesn't mean anything. What are you saying? Okay. <laughs> I knew this movie was going to do this. Well, after I Me watched too. it the third time. I knew Murphy would I... hate it and we'd fight about it. Well, I, I just knew it was going to be like kind of confusing, and no matter what, we would never get to a resolution where we were like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> like, we would all kind of be like, what? Wait, no, we're just going to keep going in circles like this fucking movie. <laughs> the resolution is he's building one the size of a warehouse, and he's about to go all Dr. Doom on the world. Yeah, and Abe wants to go that's back in resolution. time and prevent them from doing it in the first place. 
but and also then you get the split off of did Aaron but also go and make the thing or did Abe actually Aaron's pretend it kids was... from other iterations of Aaron. He also says that. And like there's creepy stuff go like there's stuff going on there with Abe where Abe also Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How did how did like Miramax or whatever at the time come not come to Shane Carruth and go here's here's a million dollars go make something else go well no go make a sequel to this movie make it like oh. you know you know they could have done a sequel where where Abe has to stop the villain but the, Aaron then then it just becomes what every other movie is this movie is just this beautiful vision as soon as you start making sequels and it's just picking up on the story. But yeah. making it just but another action. Then you're in the Matrix, movie. you know. Then you're in just yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you're the Matrix Reloaded in the Matrix, whatever the hell they called that third one. <laughs> what was that one called? Revolutions oh, for some oh, reason. Revolution. Oh, Revelation. Oh, Sorry, Revelation. Revelation. Because Neo is Jesus, you know. But anyway. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So yeah, I think you'd end up with that. It wouldn't. They wouldn't resemble the original because they couldn't. You can't just. You can't do that again. No yeah. other movie. Other than maybe your argument of the prestige, though I see the similarities, but I don't think they're. Do, these, do you know what other the movies well, resemble each other? Much. There's another movie that this resembles, and, and I there it might be in your morsels, Murphy, but it's Looper. You guys seen that movie yeah. with it's, it's Ryan Johnson's movie, and yeah, it, that movie's kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, actually, really there, like that it's movie. it's not my movie morsels, but there was one bit where uh, Ryan Johnson said he showed the film to. Shane. Shane Carruthers and Shane Carruthers told him that all of his time travel was wrong. Right. Yeah. Looper yeah. was dumb. Um, and Bruce Willis and Drew Dose and Gordon Levitt do not look alike. No. <laughs> as much as you want to like butch up like uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's face, put, yeah, yeah, it didn't that work. Does not look like face. a younger version of Bruce Willis. Well, yeah, weird. It did look weird. Very strange. Yeah, they just like put that fake. Jo- it was so weird that fake jaw or whatever they put on him. It looked so. I don't even know. He didn't look like, you know, diehard version of Bruce Willis. See, now you could make that movie and and de-age Bruce Willis. And you could probably get, you know, you could probably do it. But not one they could have. You can't de-age his body though. No. The stunts or whatever. Well they they did it for Indiana Jones. They could you know probably cost it a ton. Well, let's just move on to performance. The performance you'd hold up. Um I think Aaron was probably the better. Of the two honestly i don't think i would hold up any performance in the movie i don't think the movie relies it's not on about that it's yeah. it's not about that no they didn't I don't need think... to hire two big actors for this movie in there fact, was no movie reminded me fake. of do you mm-hmm. know what this movie reminded me of it reminded me of shithouse because it was uh no party film that we watched yeah, because it was it was a film that was written, directed, star It's a singular produced. vision it, like that. It yeah. was one dude that made his his passion project yeah. for like seven thousand bucks. But and, what, uh, but where shit house had no actors. Was just in a it. guy who like was angry at his girlfriend, so just wanted to yell about how she doesn't just get to cut him off no, after making that. out with him. Yes, it that wasn't was. Wasn't about that. It was about you ego don't death. Get to... Yeah, oh my god, that movie was dumb. But you know that's it. It had the same. It has the same air of shithouses. This is just a, a, a single singular person making a, a film project, and there's no actors in it, so there's really no performances to hold up, in my opinion. Mm. They were they were both fine. They both feel real. They both deliver their lines like they are people who actually understand what they're saying. 
And that's what's important. That's why they're good performances. Like it, like Dustin Hoffman could not deliver Shane Carruth's lines believably yes, he in could. this movie. Or, in fact, no, Dustin Hoffman would have delivered Shane Carruth's lines far better. I would actually put a first. No, he wouldn't have. Yes, you film. would have liked it yeah, better. It would have looked more like a glossy Hollywood movie, but it wouldn't have felt. Yeah, because like if they had Dustin Hoffman, they would have had a budget to make an actual movie. Yeah. No, because I, they wouldn't have found it like Dustin real Hoffman engineers. can say lines. They can keep the lines the same way. The engineer can still write the lines, and you can have a, a perfectly good actor say the lines. No, you perfectly can't. well. <laughs> Star Trek: The Next Generation, no. sir. Yes, and a lot of the techno babble comes off real clunky because the actors even admit they don't understand what they're saying, and it comes because off it was way. techno babble. And they don't even like to say it. Yes, because it wasn't actual real kind of science. Yeah, but, but if you have a, a mathematician, a lot of it is. It's called techno babble as shorthand. That doesn't mean it doesn't have any basis in science. That's just a word we. It use has some, but it's use. not like actually it's babble to the yeah. actors. Yes, but. But like again, you uh, my could point have, stands. Like, Dustin Hoffman could have delivered better, delivered these lines better. Like there would have been a better budget. Why couldn't he have had time to reshoot with stupid dialogue? Because exactly. they rushed the production exactly. and the dialogue was dumb. No, no. I think David Sullivan. You hate every is smart better. movie, Murphy. <laughs> I don't. I think David smart movie. Let's go watch. You just you just give me you just give me smart movies that are just shittily produced, and I just point out that they're shittily produced. Yeah, I think I could see like the, I feel like if this movie had more money, it would have and a little bit more refining. Uh, because that's the thing is when one person has all the power, which is what if you look at the credits, I mean, it's it's it might as well have just said Shane Carruth with David Sullivan. <laughs> that's it. Like yeah. he did. It everything. does. If when you look at like yeah. the IMDb, it just says Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth. Like, Shane Carruth, Shane Carruth. like how did he shoot the movie, <laughs> direct the movie, produce the movie, acted in the movie, he edited the movie? I don't he think did, he was he the also, cameraman. He, he must also, have had a cameraman. He also edited the he movie. Had a tripod. Yeah, well, there's did you, I like that one shot that I don't I know how they too. did it, but they put it like on the on the hood of the car, and then like and you could see like it's uh, I don't yeah. know how how they probably put like like a tripod on, like literally on the hood of like on the bumper of the car to shoot that scene, but it doesn't mm. like it, there's a bunch of times where it doesn't look good and you're like it looks like it costed seven thousand dollars, but at the same time like it does tell a decent story, it is somewhat followable. But at the same time, you're kind of like scratching your head throughout the movie. So you're kind of like that's the point, though. That is the yeah. point. Like he's you're. It's not for everybody. You're not supposed to get it unless you're like an engineer that studies the same shit he does, at least on the first time. And like again, there's room for that, and there should be more of that. Like there are movies that are way too artsy fartsy as far as like you know like high like fine painting art, which I find boring and doesn't interest me. So there's tons of movies about like painting art that bore the shit out of me, and sure. I can't follow because they're not Dad for me. Like visual art, and that's fine. Well, you know, like... I just like look. I I look. Scum sculptures are just like look. I put a cube here and a, an oval here. Aren't I a genius? I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe I don't get it, and I don't. So those types of themed movies aren't for me. It, but that's fine. I could. That doesn't make mean it's shitty because I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? There's room for those. There should be specialist movies for everybody. Devin, Devin, just because I say this movie could benefit from, from having more of a budget doesn't mean I'm calling it a shitty movie. Well, no. I mean, every 
I, I mean, sure, had more of a budget, but like what he achieved for seven thousand dollars is it's freaking mind impressive. Yeah, no, it's impressive. What he achieved for seven thousand dollars is very impressive. That's why I got all the awards, and it was the fucking the 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 the, yeah. the, the talk of the town in every film festival that year. Like, there's a reason. The seven thousand dollars went to renting out that storage unit. But it, uh, but if he had had the majority of the film went to stock buying film stock. Uh, I can talk but if he had had like twenty seven thousand dollars, he he could have made it a lot better. You know what yeah, I mean? Like what he didn't need to do it for, for me, that little money. You know, like he could have done what it for would a bit made more. It better for me. The movie is ninety nine. He could have. The, the, the movie is ninety nine percent script and and concept. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's ninety nine percent of it. So you can tinker with that other one percent all you want, and maybe that one percent will be better. But the whole point of the, the movie fact that is you the think that ninety nine percent of a film concept. is a script and one percent is just this whatever this fluff film, this film this film yes this film <laughs> I don't know you can add some explosions the all you want for Earth, ten apparently. grand a piece but like in the Man from Earth is another great example of a you don't need to spend more money like it's those two yes. movies are all these about are both the examples script. that you can spend and, more money and make something visually better. Well, like and it was like, still just be better, as good, if not better. Like, uh, uh, like uh, uh, Davin, like there's a bunch of scenes in this movie where they like literally only had the one take, and that was it. Like that was. There's a know, lot like, of be scenes. Better uh, if it was in color. Well, I mean, like yeah. they could be better if it was in color. No, no, but that's not the point. I don't. By think. Murphy's yeah, logic, yes, not... they could spend more money, get a better camera, and they would. But be they better. did make clerks. I in disagree. Color. It's called Clerks Two and Clerks Three. No, no, no. You're distracting from the point here. <laughs> the point is, you would no, say I'm not. the fact that you like that movie, they should spend more money and make that movie better. I think so if you could, ask, Kevin, if you ask, Kevin Smith could have spent Smith a bunch of money. Kevin Smith did spend more got a, money. Got a color yeah. camera and made it look better than this beautiful color camera. No, no, he no. Didn't, but he could have oh, okay. spent more. And he than got he the did. film stock, and he he made it black and white because it was it was cheaper on his wallet. But exactly. he still put a so budget he could to the film. Have spent more money and made a no. Color he couldn't because he spent better, all right? the money he had. He couldn't spend more and money. And so did Shane. He Carruth. spent all the money he had. And so did Shane Carruth. I think I Shane Carruth probably could have gotten more than seven thousand dollars. No, but you're film. still distracting from my point because you don't want to answer. Would clerks be What do better? I don't want to answer? No, no, but that's not the right answer question. Answer this question. Answer, yes, it is. Let me, I'll okay. answer, ask you, Jeff, because Murphy won't answer the question. Would clerks be better if it was filmed in color with a fancier camera? I, okay, I would say no, but let me ask you this question, Dad. Exactly. It, like, I would it, say it, that it, as well. If Kevin Smith... some things are better, he, lower tech. No, but let me ask you this. If you ask Kevin Smith, could he have made clerks for $7,000 and... and he could only use one take for almost each scene. Would he have accepted that? I don't think he would have. You know, well, he had I too think... many actors to make it for seven thousand dollars, unless they're all working for free. Well, like, there's a lot. He had of like majority of them are were his friends. <laughs> so he has, he had, but he mostly has much two. For free. It's very similar to this movie. He basically has two actors. It's it's Brian O'Halloran and uh, 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 Randall. The guy who plays Randall. Yeah, uh, and Jeff all Anderson. the guys that come into the store and. Jay yeah, but none of them have a lot they were, of again, uh, all friends of Kevin dialogue. Hmm. Yeah, some of them did it for nothing. Like Walter did it; he was in the movie for nothing. A lot of them did it for nothing. They were just friends of his. They didn't get paid. They weren't in SAG. You know, like the, the, there was uh, the way. I just think if you asked him, the, and he made it ten years before Shane Carruth, so like a dollar was worth more in '94 than it was in 2004 or whatever. Uh, hmm. I just think it's crazy. like he made it for seven thousand. Even after that, it's crazy. 
It is crazy. I don't know how yeah. he like, like. I mean, the fact that he even had a movie at all is kind of insane because things that can go wrong when you shoot something in post production, especially and with sound and everything, to not have more than one take is kind of insane. You know, but that's why another. <laughs> okay. I think we've I think talked about the setting movie. aesthetics. Let's let's just get to. I gotta push this along. All right. So the budget for the entire film for uh, Sphere from 2004 was around seven thousand dollars. Most of the money was spent on film stock. Sphere. Uh, she. Sir, no. I, sorry, I'm in oh, primer. Primer. Uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, Shane Carruth took up the job of writing. No, it feels like it. Um, That's all they had. That's all they could afford to pay. Sorry, go ahead. Shane Carruth took up the job of writing, producing, directing, editing, and scoring the movie with no prior experience in any of these fields. It took him three years to complete the movie, writing the screenplay over the period of a year and working on an independent movie as a microphone operator to get the hang of filming techniques. Shooting the movie took only a month, but the film spent nearly two years in post-production due to editing problems during that period. Carruth claims uh, to have quit the movie three or four times. So he really was like about to, to, to go give up on this. Uh, That's in order a lot of to work, cut man. Costs, do it all yourself. Yeah, it is. Um, in order to cut costs, Shane Carruth did mostly single takes of shots and filmed on 16mm stock. This was then transferred to mini digital video film, which he could edit on his PC. This caused some unforeseen problems. The editing software couldn't handle the sound properly. Two months of editing were needed just to synchronize the audio to the video. The biggest problem, however, was That's the re- relative lack of footage, which made it difficult to work around con- continuity errors and technical problems because there often wasn't an alternate take that he could be used see this is where more money would come into play because he could take could spend more money to get takes and like get the coverage he needed to make sure he's not having to deal with these editing issues um even not money he really just needed a second pair of hands man like <laughs> it seems sounds like he just needed like somebody to that's take what load money gets you the second pair of yeah hands. but like you know like it could just be a friend he doesn't pay like you were just talking about Kevin Smith getting yeah, all I his mean, friends that not. But Kevin he Smith could do had, that um, too. Kevin's I know Kevin Smith crying. doesn't get all the allowances. I mean Shane Carruth doesn't get all the allowances Kevin Smith gets. But but yeah. Kevin Smith had Dave Klein, who he met in film school, was a, a director of photography, and he had to pay him. But like that's that would would have been useful for Shane. Yeah. Um, over a hundred people auditioned for the parts of Abe and Aaron. David Sutherland was cast as Abe without professional acting experience, and director Shane Carruth cast himself as Aaron when he couldn't find the right person for the role. He um, he, he played a good Aaron. He played. They both played it very well. They both played like seem like real people, which is what this movie's about. They should seem real. Uh, according to the director's commentary, That's what's scary was, about this movie. It's according to the director's world. commentary. Everything was done on the first take and dubbed later. The only shot that was redone at an hour and four minutes and 40 seconds is where Aaron opens the door to find failsafe A because someone had left a Sprite can on top of the box. So he had to reshoot that one scene. Um, oh, that sucks. One of the pivotal moments... What was that movie where the... they didn't take it out? Like, in, like you can see like a t- Starbucks cup know. in it or whatever. Oh, that was like Remember Game that? of Thrones. Yeah, oh, Game yeah. of Thrones, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They left that uh, in. One of the pivotal moments in the film <laughs> is when a character named Granger suddenly appears, 
having traveled yeah. back in time. Why Granger went back in time and was following Abe and Aaron is never explained in the movie, and Caruth has admitted he's not entirely sure himself. Well, um, there's, no, there's some backup there. So they go to Granger for money. Granger's the father of the chick that Abe is sort of dating. and But she's only he's only sort of dating her because they want the money from her father, which is Granger. So they were approaching Granger about funding. So it, it but then it, why would Granger follow the realm them? of possible? Well, that's the thing. So if somebody comes to you for funding for their sketchy science, you may want to do well. You would want to do some due diligence and see what they're actually doing. So he probably just followed them to see what they're up to to see if it is something that he if they're sketchy. I think I he, think if a man has a a bunch of money and influence, he's not going to spend his free time gallivanting and following some crackheads that tried to sell some crazy time machine to them even though they didn't but say but it's it not some words. crackheads who tried to save him sell him a time machine it's a guy dating his daughter who came to him asking for money for investment yeah and with There's crackhead ideas there so like so this guy who's dating your daughter yeah comes at you with all these kind of crazy ideas but they're not coming to him with a time machine idea they're just in their side. They have a side hustle creating cheap technologies and selling them. That's what so they're the, going they, for the investment for. So what? They were getting an investment for, for for their JTAG cards, which was just yeah, like yeah. E- what, either way, whatever they okay, told so him that that, was. that makes that even makes it more apparent. Why is he gonna follow them to 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 to, to trail them to figure out their their secret? memory card like circuit board business no to see like, if why, they're legit have any like these that? weirdos like to see they, if they're he, weird like, again why is why is a man with money and power trying to be a super sleuth like it, there was no reason why they're dating his daughter because they're dating his daughter so why is he personally One doing it and not just hiring somebody else to do it for him because not everybody does that. Just because somebody's rich or has some money for investment doesn't mean they don't do anything themselves anymore. But why would they implicate themselves into, you know, tailing somebody and, like, implicating themselves into a possible crime Because he wouldn't care. He's just like, yeah, I was following you. You're dating my daughter. Like, whatever. Seeing what you're up to. You guys sketch bags always go to this friggin' U-Haul place all the friggin' time. Like, what the hell's this up with that This is just shit? wild head he follows them, sir. Yeah, this it is, is just wild headcanon because you, can... you don't want to, well, you don't not want to the stuff admit that there's the a plot hole in your precious film. No, I already told you that's the most the closest thing to a plot hole in that film is that they don't explain why Granger went back in time. But it's easy to assume because they do explain that they went to him for investment and that he's dating, Abe's dating his daughter. Like that's enough personal connection for him to potentially follow them to the right. U-Haul. Now, yeah, why stuff, he there's... would then jump through a crazy rando machine that doesn't make any sense. But unless he just sees them do it and is just like, "All right, I'll do it too," that's still kind of crazy. Or, or he sees Granger's two of them. Crazy guy. Or he sees two of them, and yeah, okay. Then he maybe even figures out what it is if he sees two Abe's or something. Yeah, that's you know, like that's the thing that. is like there's things that happen in this movie that have to happen off screen because yeah. there's too many loops. And there's too many, you know, there's too much time that goes by. Too many plot holes, if you will. The uh, no, final movie, so the phrase time machine is detail. never stated in the movie. The time machine is always simply referred to as the box. So they box. never use the word time it's machine. It's in the box! The, uh, the film's edited by Shane Carruth, music by Shane Carruth, produced by Shane Carruth, directed by Shane Carruth, everything's by Shane 
Carruth. Uh, it was <laughs> yep. released on October 8th, 2004 by Shane Carruth. Running time, 77 minutes by Shane Carruth. Budget of $7,000 by Shane Carruth. And a box office of $841,926 for Shane Carruth. You made now a lot. That's of return money. on investment. That's a huge return. That's return on but investment. It's probably the greatest return on investment in films. And uh, you know, Murphy, now, let me make one more point about funding. How many movies have we watched, including Sphere, where they spend a shit ton of money and then lose friggin' money? It's not like there there are not that many downsides to spending more money. Yes. At times. A lot of the times. Like more money doesn't always equal better. More money just means you lose money in the end sometimes. Like and like he didn't take that chance at all. He's like, Well, surely well, he didn't I'll have make to my take that chance at back. all. <laughs> like you like and then he freaking killed it, man. He's almost made a million dollars off a seven grand investment. I don't. Shit's I on. doubt he made a million dollars. I'm sure, like that portion of the money was probably given to. Dude, but who knows what other ways he's he had turned this into money for himself? Who knows? He probably well, at yeah, least I, that's just away box with office half million. Yeah, that's just box office. So, what did he make? Did this was this like a cult movie that that everyone watched it on was. TV? Yeah, so he yeah, probably made a lot was. from that. Yeah, exactly. Then in whatever streamer may eventually pick it up, he'll probably make some money there. Unless one has already. There's lots of money to be made off this movie still. Yep. But I yeah. So. Um, Alright, well, let's rewatch Ability. Yes, it has that because it, it's needed. Like, not it's only. Ha- yeah, it it's mandatory. You have to, you have to watch this film. Yeah, it's nine mandatory rewatchability. Understand yeah. it. Yeah, mandatory rewatchability. It's a unique category. Maybe I should I write feel- a special category for that. It's a mandatory, but I think I feel like I I got to the point on like my, my third watch where I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care which Abe or which Aaron it is. I was but like, that's fine. I it's it. not for everybody. It's, it's really it not distracted for by the like the five people conversations that would happen at any given moment. You're trying to follow one conversation. You got three people like arguing over it or whatever. It was really distracting. But it was. It but was for me, like, there's uh, just more things to be interested here than in. Like basically any movie I've seen produced in the last thirty years, where it's like, you'll watch it once and you'll get everything. Don't worry, you'll get everything. Not only will you get everything, they will smash you over the head with everything, so you definitely get everything. This is the because they respect our time, man. No, they don't respect your intelligence, Murphy, and they don't (laughs) respect respect our time. Do they by making a shit movie three hours long? How many, how many times have we wanted to shave an hour off a friggin' movie on this podcast, Murphy? That's not respecting your time. This movie respects your time by not being three hours long. It's very concise. No, it's only an hour that you have out to watch movie. nine times, so it's nine hours Yeah, there's total. that. But, but only if you will enjoy getting more out of it. There's more to get out of it upon rewatches, which most movies there aren't. You can I go feel back like and enjoy some performances you like again, but there's nothing to learn from another I feel like a lot a lot of people would watch this movie though, David, and just be like, I'm confused again. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of people would. It's not you know? for everybody. It's people who have an interest in science and math and yeah, astrophysics I, well, and well, it's, like, it's for those people. I like all those concepts and I do think that the movie is you're right. It is. It is more to the, um, the what's the 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 STEM type field of people. Yeah. 
that's what this movie is who it's for uh but at the same time i feel like it it didn't need much of a tweak you were saying oh they could dumb it down and then it's for everybody but actually i think Mm -hmm. that it just needs a little bit more direction so everyone can enjoy it not just the mathematicians see that's what i don't want that's what they try to do with every movie now they want it to apply to the broadest audience possible and that makes every movie bad that's why every movie's bad nothing special because it you can't be special if you're trying to appeal to everybody i hear i hear your point i just i i think i like um, this as a stem movie and people who are outside of stem that want to try to venture in there i think they should and they can get a lot from it mm-hmm. but it's like an artsy movie like there's sure, sure there's lots of movies about fine art that are very good movies, and I might even enjoy. But man, it's like it, it would it would be a choice to try to jump in there and venture into it. Like people would have to with this movie. It's just like I'm gonna have to try to decipher stuff I don't care about, or like derive meaning from things I don't care about. There, a lot of people are gonna watch this movie and feel that way. Absolutely. It's like, why do I care about all this math and techno babble? Just like, well, if you don't care about math and techno babble, you won't and you shouldn't. But there wasn't <laughs> but even a lot do, of math or techno babble genius. in this film. Yeah. There was oh, like a, a five there was a five minute explainer about his time travel, and then it was just like subterfuge. The rest was just subterfuge. There's no real math or science behind it. That's all just no. There is over. no. There's 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 paradoxes in time. There, it gets into that sort of stuff. Yes, it like kind of falls but away it, from the math and gets into more of the the uh, fil- uh, the theoretical. But 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 David, it gets to a point in this movie at the end where they have to lay the twist on you, which is the yeah. twist. Which is the twist that Abe that knew. Aaron uh, was, that, sorry, Aaron knew all about. along. Right. Yeah. So each time you watch the rewatch the movie, you're 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 going back to the A part of the loop where you're like, I gotta go go through this motion again, which is <laughs> yeah. what the movie is. That's I get yeah. why it's like that, but at the same time, yeah. it's frustrating. It's <laughs> yeah, it's very meta. <laughs> it's yeah. very meta. I didn't think of it in that meta sense, but yeah, it is totally. Yeah, go back to the A end and give her another watch. Yeah, but it's like in reverse because. In the box, you can start at the B end and then go to the A end, but you know, you get yeah. the point. Yeah, you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the big question does it hold up? For me, it does. It's my favorite movie, and I know it's not for everybody, so whatever. See, yeah. I, I, way I would say about this is I would say it holds up because just like Sphere, where I would say I would show someone this movie and I'd say, you have to watch this movie. And just, I think everyone and, needs to see this movie, unless it's just totally not up their alley at all. Right. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, like, that's the thing. When you have a movie like this, it's it's very heady. It's almost best watched alone, you know, and yeah. when you say where you really have to pay attention to it. But I would I would definitely show someone this movie and be like, check this out. I, I already did. I said I told Dave to watch it. So you know yeah and, and hopefully he does and I'll, I'll see if he likes it i think he'd be confused too though i think i think he'll like it maybe yeah. not on first watch but you know or like he'll be you know most people are left with questions after the first watch for rightfully so yeah because um, you but it's also because 
a, a thing where like the rewatches really help is then you're getting used to its style. The thing that throws people for a loop, I think, for this movie is they're expecting exposition because that's what you're given in every other movie. So mm-hmm. you're just sitting there as a viewer waiting for the inevitable exposition that never comes. It's not the lack but of exposition that, time, that throws people off. No. It's the editing. It's the J-cut no. editing that throws people off. That's what threw me off, at least. Is, is the, Most people is don't the... know what a J-cut is, Murphy. Like, What's a J-cut? Like, Do you not know what a J-cut is? Most people don't know, because most people don't give a shit about that, Murphy. Yes, like, okay. Well, you, you're... just just to explain for the people that may not know what a J-cut is, a J-cut is... Jump cut. Is you mean a jump playing... cut? No, that's not a J-cut. No. A J-cut okay. is they start playing the audio from another scene. You're watching one scene. It's like a dude standing oh, in yeah, the field, yeah. and then you start hearing this conversation, and then it cuts Dude. to like mid-conversation, and then it cuts to the scene of that conversation. That's what a J-cut yeah. is. This movie yeah, is they do littered those. with J-cuts. Yeah, right? it's just littered with J-cuts. It's different. Um, it's different. It's a it's it's a it's a hard take on that style of editing, but it but but it it doesn't lend to the storytelling because it makes it confusing, and you you have to watch it several times to be like, oh, I see what's happening. You know, like you need those last ten minutes to understand the first like fifty minutes of this film. You know, that's the point too, though. Like it's what they, he's wanting to keep you guessing until he lays it all on you. Yes. And that's kind of the fun of the journey. Like, I don't want too much explanation because that takes away the fun of the journey. But, it's, um, it, okay, it's well, ca- let's let's yeah. wrap this up. I'm going to say this. Yeah, it yeah. holds up. It begrudgingly holds up for me. It's an intelligent movie. I'm not going to deny that fact. I think it could have benefited from more budget, more shot takes, maybe just, yeah. like, better coverage. More takes. Like, it's a, like this This is a film that, like, it had a, it's had a really solid idea. It had a really pretty decent execution although convoluted like it's very convoluted and and congested uh but yeah for a film from 2007 for seven thousand dollars it holds up yeah by necessity that's the thing about timey-wimey stuff timey-wimey stuff gets convoluted like it's often like the last hour and half of this podcast we were on a roll and then we started talking about this film well, I knew yeah. Primer would be half the episode at least, but yeah. <laughs> Two thirds of the episode. All right. Well, we've got. Let's do our time travel movie rankings, shall we? For me, it's Primer, Time After Time, and then Sphere. <laughs> uh, for me, it's Time After Time, Primer, and then Sphere. For me, it's Jeff, Sphere. Sphere. <laughs> I then I would go primer and then I would go time after time. Yeah. You know, I could have almost flipped time after time in sphere, but I don't know. It's time after time. Sphere just annoyed me sphere. too much. It just the more we talked about sphere, the more angry I got. At least time after time <laughs> was like was like coherent and concise and actually Yeah, it's just fun. dumb. It was. it was just kinda dumb and fun, yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about it. I love how dumb it is. No, I'm talking about time after time. It's just kind of dumb and fun. Like, it's a dumb fun movie. Weird. Well, it's a rom com. It's a (laughs) that movie's a rom com with a with a murder mystery going on. Like, not mystery, murder, murder chase going on. Uh, Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, Thanks Thanks for for having me. Sitting there while Murphy and I yelled at each other. You know, it always takes a special kind of appreciate your patience (laughs) we do we really do but hold up we have a little thing here called final take and what i'll do here 
Well, actually, before the final take, we'll bring up the uh, share the screen here, and uh, everyone can take a look at our movies. Uh, there we go. Those are A movies. We got two A movies today and a new B movie. Still, you know, not that many C movies. Most most movies we at least find one of us at least finds something good out of. But every now and then, there's a stinker. I, I see the American president ended up in the same category as Fear. <laughs> well, Cousin Dave was quite high on American president. <laughs> right. So. His vote carried the day, <laughs> but uh, I don't think Murphy and I were quite so high. I agree with the Iard Huckabees. I, I'm not a fan of that movie. Oh, God, it was awful. Thanks it's for awful. Awesome. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at, and now we'll get to the final take, and what I'll say with that, with all this timey-wimey shenanigans, the back and forths, the forward and backwards, the fisticuffs and chases, it... it but the thing about these time travel movies is it's not really about the past and the future in the end, is it? It generally boils down to trying to preserve our present. The present as we know it, the, our, the present day. So why don't we keep that in mind and try to preserve our present as best we can, whether that's environmentally, socially, in, in every way. Let's try to maximize our present to reach the future yeah all right that's my final take let's preserve the present murphy as always uh, as always uh it's uh, been a pleasure watching the film with you guys uh and you know with you folks that join us please leave your comments uh, hit subscribe uh, do all that good stuff uh, let us know what you thought of these films um if you didn't know we're part of a united federation of podcasts uh, where we talk about all sorts of things from you know movies like our next episode where we're going to be talking uh going to alternate dimensions mm -hmm. we're covering uh the quest for love coherence and everything everywhere all at once which is a film i've been desperately wanting to watch since it was released almost a year ago so it's gonna be good to cover that one eventually we're watching Finally. a movie with the guy from buffy in it uh yeah 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 that's oh. that is uh, our next guest pick andre mayette uh. who also happens to be your co-host for the show x-rated the x-men animated review show where these guys talk about mm -hmm. the 1997 or 1990s x-men uh cartoon tune uh they did an interview recently with voice actor adrian hugh the voice actor of nightcrawler huff. that is up on uh, huff adrian huff uh that is uh gentleman is interview is up you should go check that out uh, adrian yeah, or Andre is also the it's host great. of graphic histories the graphic histories podcast where they mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. all sorts of things with uh, artists from all fields uh, uh you should definitely check that out there's the super mater mm -hmm. brothers podcast which our guest jeff mater is a proud member of where they talk about big brother they are brothers driver <laughs> we are brothers, brothers. <laughs> um and uh speaking of the mater family we got Eamon mater with Eamon on track talking all things music uh new one tomorrow sure the next episode's gonna be new one tomorrow oh, new do you know what the the album is yes i'm i'm on it uh it's white album beatles Ooh, the white album with the beatles nice um and we also Skip. got a show called trivial debates <laughs> where we cover things uh, of all sorts. We got an office theme one where we've got Jason Phillips hosting, Jody Simpson coming in, James Elkins, uh, and uh, Heather Nyadi, 
that's going to be a, a good time talking all things Dunder Mifflin. I'm looking forward to that. Heather's going to chew those boys up and spit Jody. them out, I tell you. She's going to just turn yeah, them into It's going to be bloody. When she said Jody's, yes, I was like, uh, yes. Jody's done. I was so excited. Yeah. Um, Jody's done. We've got the Hellbound podcast with uh, Michael Chan and Kyle Blackburn. They talk things about horror and their general life. And we also have got Live Long and Podcast, our Star Trek podcast, where we talk about all things... Uh, Star Trek from review shows to a uh, little radio theater to Locuters of Trek where they get into the deep nitty gritty science of things. Maybe have some interviews with a gentleman named Derek Tyler Attico, the Can't author wait. of the autobiography of Benjamin Sisko. That is Monday. It's going to mm-hmm. be a good time. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically it for our little federation. So check all those podcasts out. Um, yeah, so we're going to leave you guys with the coming attractions for next episode. Thank you for joining us. And uh, like I said, enjoy the movies. most unusual love story compounded of mystery a lot of and romance this movie. that gives two people a second chance of love in a different world. Colin Trafford is normally a mild-mannered man, but he's racing to save the life of the woman he loves and yet has never met. Are you all right, Tracy? I've got a most terrible headache. A dedicated scientist in one life, he finds himself thrust into a bewildering new world as a fashionable and successful author. When you walked through that door yesterday... I saw you for the first time in real life, and I fell in love with you. On a desperate quest to fulfill a promise. Promise me that you'll find me. The other me. In the other world. The other me in the other world. On a determined quest to discover his true friends. Colin, I think if I don't know what they call you around here, Tommy boy, but where I come from, I have a name for you. Frantic to confirm his sanity. You're not on my plane. Hey, get out! Go on. Get out! Yeah? Go on! Get out! Impatient to prove his love. And write great prose. I do. Colin, please don't do this to me. Not if it's just a game. Quest. <sighs> a desperate search for love. This looks kind of boring, not gonna lie. I kind of wish he stuck with Last Action Hero, which was his original choice for this film, but he went with Quest for Love. I don't know why he chose this film. What's, what's the uh, theme? Uh, alternate realities. Tom oh. Bell, a brilliant dramatic actor playing a great romantic character. Last Action Hero would have been so good. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Total Recall? I hadn't watched that in forever. No, not uh, okay. Recall would have been good, but yeah, this is like a last action hero. I haven't seen that forever. Lawrence Naismith, a shrewd scientist, human enough to calculate from the heart. Oh, God, what is the sound of time? What that? It's literally this trailer. A unique wow. story with a it's like just feedback. Concept of love. Yeah, it's just like really bad sound design. Like, what the fuck? So T. Oscilloscope Laboratories. So this is Andre's pick. One of the best science fiction movies in years. Movies hey. Hey. Amir's bringing Laurie to dinner. Amir's a total jackass. 
Do you know Everyone your friends? Still not have service. I got zero. Yeah. On the news, you know, they're talking about the comet. Yeah, yeah. Miller's comet. After it passed, people get lost. They would end up in the wrong home. Why? And they keep telling people that this can happen. The chicken tastes like right. tuna. It must be comet. Miller's comet. <laughs> The whole neighborhood is no, out real. of power, uh, except for a house about two blocks up. Mike, is that door locked? I'll, I'll check it. Baby, stay away from the door. door. I can't stand this. I'm going to go see what's going on. I'm sorry, but I'm going. See that? Oh my god. This is bad. This is really Wait, bad. Wait, what's the box? That was at the other house. Oh my god. Baby, what did you see? Hugh, what did you, what did you see? see? Do you know who to We don't even belong here. Everybody knew about this. He told us. Everybody knew about you. this except me. We have to just get through the night, okay? We are not from this house. We are visitors. I'm crossing all kinds of boundaries. I don't want to be stuck here. What is going on? Budget bottle piece. I'm gonna go insane. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, whole time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you. Maybe your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, I'm really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger than you and me. Than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. No way. I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it.
is the voice.